5: Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradio network.com, helping you filter through the noise.
6: Real talk. Black talk.
7: The internet is full of half truths and all out lies. Starbucks baristas stop making coffee and close the stores to learn how to treat all customers equally. Anti-bias
8: training took place at locations in Charlotte and 8,000 stores across America. All this after the company was accused of uh, treating black men unfairly in one of their stores. Today, some customers told reporter Mark Barber they're worried a quick training session just isn't enough.
2: The Starbucks here in Uptown closed three hours earlier than normal today because, as the sign on the front door says, they're trying to find ways to make Starbucks more welcoming.
6: I love Starbucks coffee. I hate what happened.
2: Like millions of others, Lucky Weichel saw this video of police arresting two men at a Philadelphia Starbucks last month. The men wanted to use a bathroom, but the manager called police because they hadn't ordered anything. It turned out the men were just waiting for a business associate to arrive before ordering.
9: These two gentlemen did not deserve what happened.
2: Starbucks CEO promised it wouldn't happen again and closed all his stores early today for anti-bias training. This one in Uptown Charlotte had its own controversial moment back in 2016 after this man... I feel insulted. Recorded security asking him to leave even though he was a paying customer. I don't even know the code to the bathroom. Others, like this formerly homeless man, admit security had every reason to ban him from the store. I got kicked out of there a long time ago. You know why? Drug related. Customers tell Channel 9, only time will tell if today's diversity training will help employees learn how to spot troublemakers without judging others based on the color of their skin. It takes a lot more than just an hour to change everyone's minds.
10: But I think it'll help
11: with the diversity the issue. To me, it's, it's a heart check.
2: A civil rights attorney tells Channel 9 he thinks this training will be beneficial and he hopes other businesses will also take note. Now, while these stores were closed today, the employees reviewed the civil rights history. Reporting in Uptown, Mark Barber, Channel 9 of Witness News.
6: What's the guy's name on the TV who's um, Morning Joe?
2: Huh?
6: Scarborough, okay. Now do you know what is Joe? Coffee. And who is Joe? Oh black Black Joe. Joe. I got I mean that's why Starbucks is a billionaire company. Mm -hmm. I gotta be putting some of that black stuff in. I can't get started. If somebody were to say to Joe Scarborough, you're talking about taking in old black Joe. I remember in the Second World War, my dad was in the war. We, Why do you call it Joe? Dad said, it stands for old black Joe. See, that was the most important thing in the Army, your Coffee. Morning, Joe. You know, right? See, all of this stuff is connected. And this is why I was afraid, white fear. I was afraid... Of the black man.
12: Well, it is a laudable goal for companies, big and small, to want to address bias and create a more respectful and welcoming workplace. There is lots of research, however, to suggest that many companies go about it all wrong. And in many instances, that research suggests that anti-bias training may actually do more harm than good. My next guest is a professor of sociology at Harvard University. He studies diversity programs and why they often fail. Frank Dobbin joins us from Boston. Hi.
13: Hi, good morning.
12: How does the kind of training that Bob Joseph and uh, Dr. Sukera are talking about compare to what you've looked at?
13: Uh, Well, it sounds like uh, the kinds of training they do are similar to the sorts of training we look at. Um, Lots of companies now do some kind of training. If you look at the U.S. Fortune 500, something like 90%, 70%, depending on how you count them, do some sort of diversity training, very high percentage do uh, anti-harassment training.
12: How do you assess the effectiveness of these training programs?
13: Well, well, there have been hundreds of studies over the years that um, do a kind of before and after evaluation of levels of bias or stereotyping. Um, That's the most common way to to look at the effects of anti-bias training. And across those studies, um, the big picture is that Anti-bias training doesn't really do much to change people's levels of bias. Um, it, it's particularly uh, striking that the few studies that look at follow-ups, say twelve months later, three, six, twelve months later, tend to show no effects. Some some actually show negative effects of training. Um, we look at we look at the effects differently. We look at uh, more than 800 companies over more than 30 years, and we look at whether diversity training or anti-bias training actually leads to changes in the workforce, actually leads to, for example, increases in African-Americans in the workforce. I think that's kind of a better measure, and there the the results are disappointing, the conventional kind of diversity or anti-bias training the most common forms, um, and that is mandatory training, everyone is forced to go, that focuses on the law, um, as well as interpersonal relations, but that has some um, significant component about the law. Uh, It actually tends to backfire. So we see statistically significant negative effects of training on actual workforce diversity.
12: That's not very encouraging
13: it's not, but it kind of um, it aligns with what Mr. Joseph and Professor Sukkara talked about, which is that um, people are often angry when they leave, they are often defensive, um, and it training can lead to feelings of shame, guilt um, distress as Professor Sukkara mentioned. I think the problem is um, in the best under the best circumstances, training um, tends to have no effect on people's level of bias. And when it's done wrong, and it's mostly done wrong because people are usually forced to go, which makes them, of course, feel like they're guilty of something. And they hear a lot about the law, which can make them feel that it's not the company that wants them to, to reduce levels of bias or to try to, to – try to, um, control their own biased behavior, but it's it's some external legal authority and they may react negatively to that.
12: I, I, I want to play a clip for you. There's been some research here at the University of Toronto that's in line with your findings, and we've got uh, Michael Inslicht describing the kind of language they found was not effective.
10: We found that when, for example, participants read a brochure about a campaign to reduce discrimination, Um, when they read about it in a controlling manner. So, you know, for example, they might have heard things like people should be unprejudiced. They might have even heard the title being anti-prejudice. They might have read things like I should avoid being a racist. When they saw this kind of forbidden stuff, things they weren't supposed to do, uh, we found that it was not effective. But surprising to us, we found that it actually increased, temporarily at least, increased levels of prejudice. So what do you think,
13: Frank Dobbin? You know, that, that's in line with a lot of research um, that looks at particular uh, anti-bias interventions. Uh, in general, when people feel they're being controlled, when people feel that the motivation comes from outside of themselves, they react negatively to it. They rebel. I mean, this is true for all kinds of interventions where you try to change people's attitudes when people feel they're being forced or there's some kind of controlling uh, force outside of them that's trying to shape what they do, they rebel. And that's a, a long-known psychological principle. But the, And the, this is one of the reasons anti-bias training tends not to work. So is this I, just it, a
12: PR exercise?
13: Well, I think, I, you know, the, the research is basically kind of disappointing. It's not, not all of the research shows negative effects. Professor Sikar was talking about the conditions under which anti bias training can have positive effects. I don't, I mean, it is a PR exercise. I think companies put in training because they don't know what to do. And it's a cheap uh, way to appear to be uh, trying to do something about the problem. Okay, so so we're we're
12: almost out of time, but um, Mm -hmm. essentially, uh, if that doesn't work, what would?
13: Well, the, the, the best way to reduce people's levels of bias is to put them in the workplace alongside people from other groups working as co-equals. And if, so if I were the CEO of Starbucks, the first thing I would try to do is integrate all of the stores at each level um, so that their employees get used to working with people who look different from themselves.
12: Well we'll have to follow up with them obviously, after today's uh, thing and the thing in uh, the, the training session in Canada as well to see where this goes. Thanks for your time,
13: Frank Dobbin. My pleasure.
6: See, all of this stuff is connected, and this is why I was afraid white fear I was afraid of the black man
1: context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, May 31st, 2018. So I have been told. This is our weekly. Broadcast on Neutralizing Workplace Racism. Though thought it was Saturday for some reason. Weekly broadcast on Neutralizing Workplace Racism. I encourage any non-white person who is listening to the broadcast live right now, if you have figured out a way to solve problems without creating new problems in the workplace, you should be the first person to pick up the phone and dial in, particularly... You don't face any accusations on the job. You don't get accused of stealing uh, a pencil sharpener, a staple, paperclip, nothing. No accusations of that sort. You don't get accused of being too quiet, aloof, not uh, being a team player. You have figured out uh, how to weasel out of all of the company outings, picnics, Christmas parties, all of that. You get all of your time off. Vacation. No issues. Nice office. If you need a transfer, you get it. Have to leave work early to get your child. No problem. If you figured out how to get into that position, you get all of your bonuses, all of your raises. No problem. think you're going to be able to do this for the next 20, 30 years. As long as you want to work. First caller on the line. That should be you. Dial in, let us know all the details. This is what to do. This is what not to do. We would all like to emulate that prosperity. The number 641 3640 The code 564 pounds Press star 61 if you would like to participate recognizing the brilliance of grandcester, Dr. Francis Cress Certainly for this broadcast, if you have problems, any issues on the job, and you would like uh, counter-racist suggestions on how to go about maybe addressing your situation, certainly dial in the number 641-715-3640, the code 564 nine, four, three pound, press star six one, if you would like to participate. I wonder if they invited Common to the Starbucks training. Folks remember back in 2015 Starbucks, they had that uh, race campaign. They, They wanted their baristas to talk with patrons about race. I think they had some goofy hashtag that they wrote on the cups and they had a big summit here at the Seattle headquarters for Starbucks. And I believe Common was invited to come and talk. You know, he's a critical race theorist in his spare time. Anywho, quick thoughts on the segments that played at the beginning Oh, actually if you do not want to call, if you want to drop an email, untiljustice at gmail.com. If you want to email your commentary about workplace racism, we can read it on the air. If it's your own situation, uh, if it's details on how to emulate your workplace success, you can email that as well. Uh, or if you have commentary on what's been discussed on the broadcast, email again untiljustice at gmail.com if you want to remain anonymous and such. <clears throat> So as I was saying, <clears throat> the clips that we heard at the beginning of the program that were dealing with the uh, workplace racism, Starbucks specifically, they had that segment where they were talking about, oh, the restaurant's closed, and they were kind of going around the city and talking to different people to see what they thought about the incident and the training. Uh, the system of white supremacy, ubiquitous, uh, even within that segment, they go to a black person. You call only heard the audio. There was video with that segment as well. So with the video to that segment, when they're going around to do what they call their street uh, interviews, they just go up and are talking to people randomly. Somehow, they find a black person who was homeless, formerly homeless. That's the way that they identified him in the segment. Formerly homeless, although if you were going to make an assessment based on his attire in the video. He looked like he was not very far removed from being homeless at the time. Now That is making a judgment. Could be wrong. But, I mean, he was not wearing uh, a Brooks Brothers suit uh, or, a pa- or a pair of flashy new Yeezus sneakers or anything like that. You know, he looked like he was doing right poorly, as Gusty says, you know, about himself. And he said formerly homeless. As I said, he didn't look like he was that far removed. So when he's talking, you heard him, he says, uh, oh, yeah. They had every reason to ban me from the store because I do drugs. That's the representation. We got a black image, black male, homeless, drug user. These are the people that we're supposed to be closing down Starbucks. I'm missing out on my Frappuccino so that individuals like this here nigra can come in and smoke crack in the Starbucks. Messaging even within. <laughs> The system of racism, white supremacy, were there allegedly giving the impression that, oh, yes, we care about the niggers. I mean, apes. I mean, black people. Yes, we care about the black people. Uh, we're going to even stop drinking our cup of joe for a few hours because we care about the, na- I mean, black people. Yes, we care. We give that impression. But even while they're doing that, the racism is still being practiced. We're still given the standard projection. Black people are just crackheads and homeless, no good, roust about ruffians. Uh, and they're just messing up us being able to come in and get that cappuccino, you know, get out in the gutter and do your crack or whatever. Don't be in my Starbucks messing things up. When they continue in that same segment, they said that, uh, they wanted to be able to spot troublemakers, probably like that black dude that they were. And they didn't even give him a name. That was the other thing. When they went to talk to people, they normally at least uh, identified the people that they're talking to on the street. See, he didn't even get a name. Invisible man. Just a homeless drug user who deserved to be banned from Starbucks. But when they continue to say, Yeah, we need to be able to identify troublemakers. And that reminded me, I said, wow, they just need to get that facial recognition software that's what that was supposed to be about was identifying troublemakers you could get that homeless black dude and any of the other black people that come in and just want to loiter and use your bathroom to smoke crack you can just put their picture uh in the screen and no big deal <laughs> get all of them eliminated and we never even have this problem you could put the facial recognition thing on the door and a whammo it'll be locked they won't even be able to enter the establishment uh also wanted to make sure i got in the t-shirts Counter racist t-shirts, please treat me like I am a white person. That's what they will say this time around, not respect. Please treat me like I am a white person. That might even be interesting for people that have both shirts to see if there's a difference in how whites respond. But if you would like a shirt, email uh, cows, C-O-W-S, all capital letters, shirt at gmail.com. Address again, cows, C-O-W-S, all capital letters, shirt at gmail.com. Mr. Trav will hook you up. Uh, The shirts are $25 a piece that includes shipping and handling. The order will be made, I believe, the end of this week. So if you email him promptly, uh, he can give you all the information that you might need if you want a shirt. Do that promptly, like right now, drop him an email, and I'm sure he can help you out. Uh, last thing about the Starbucks segment, just in my view, and, and they have a lot of great names. I mentioned before, I think Stanley Nelson is supposed to be working with them on some sort of documentary project for their employees. Uh, Brian Stevenson, uh, he uh, was very central in the lynching memorial project down in Montgomery, Alabama. I think he worked with Starbucks in cultivating the training that they did this week. They have a lot of uh Recognizable names of black people attached to this training where you would say, Wow, this has a lot of integrity. I know they're going to do something, you know, substantial. They're really sincere about working at this problem. Just in the way that I heard the dialogue, where they're not saying racism, white supremacy, they're saying bias. Just that right there. And where it's not even bias because now it's moved from racial bias to, well, there are all kinds of bias. We all have bias and prejudice. words are very important. Just that right there to me suggests there is nothing serious about this at all. And I think they even said that towards the end uh, of that final segment that, hey, a lot of times this can be a what they call a PR stunt just to deceive people into thinking that we are trying to solve a problem when actually that is not the case at all. Very important. The follow up deck is there are lots of whites who engage in this sort of uh, dangerous rhetoric, uh, giving the appearance that they're working against racism. Jane Elliott, Timothy Wise, both admitted racist white supremacists. Many of them do that very, very well and fool a lot of non-white people. And they'll go and say, oh, yeah, I do these seminars and talk to white people on the job and diversity training, as they call it. Uh, and it's great. I charge them $8,000 and it has a huge impact. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> do you go back and check in in six months, eight months, eight weeks to see if you know it has changed, if the whites that you lecture to stop practicing racism? Generally, they don't even have any answers. I at least appreciated in that report that you heard. Oh, when you go back and do the follow-up, generally, you do not find anything at all. In fact, sometimes it's made it even worse. Race soldiers resent being told how they can treat the Negras on the plantation. All that done, uh, folks who wrote in, we had a person uh, write in before we went live, non-white female, uh, she says, reflecting on my work history, so much racism, like many of us. Hope my writing isn't confusing. Uh, first incident, I'm working as a cashier. I'm ringing up the purchase of an old white woman in her late 60s, early 70s. Her bill was 1963. So I said, your total 1963. She looks me right in the eye and said, that was a good year. Second incident, I was working as a salesperson ...in an overpriced children's clothing store. I mean, really overpriced children's pajamas were $100. The kids' pajamas are not fire-retardant, just 100% cotton. I was told fire-retardant fabric is harmful to children... A black female nanny that worked in the area comes in. She said she was familiar with our pajamas. The white child she took care of had a few sets. She was about to purchase the pajamas. Then she saw the price. She said, I can't believe these pajamas are $100 and my boss buys so many for her children. You know, I asked her for a raise and she said money was tight. She left the store upset. Master deceivers and particularly about money. That's yeah. Uh, third incident, it was my dad's birthday uh, and I was going to meet my family after work for dinner. I was walking to I was talking. Sorry, I was talking to a coworker about it when my boss, white woman, interrupts the conversation to ask who I was going to dinner with. I said my family to celebrate my dad's birthday. Your dad, she asked, you know, your dad. I looked her I looked at her and said, yes slowly she looked at me surprised and said oh because I never heard you talk about him then she says what restaurant are you going to I say Michael Jordan's Steakhouse she couldn't even hide her disgust disgust she gives me the typical look and says oh my dad isn't a big Jordan fan and he doesn't eat steak he just wanted to go end of uh, correspondence. I have eaten at Michael Jordan's restaurant. The food is not that grand uh, to my recollection. I think it's just one of those, if you go to Chicago, you're supposed to go to Michael Jordan's restaurant to check that off your visiting Chicago bucket list. At any rate, I think this is why we talk consistently on the program. Uh, Mr. Steele, Ken Steele, (laughs) talking about food once again, and it gets the taggy. But this is why we talk Uh, regularly, uh, about, uh, you know, having a code about how you deal when whites ask you about personal matters and really making an effort to not share because I mean, the tackiness, you can clock it. You got about 10 seconds, probably if that before it gets somewhere tacky, trashy, uh, just downright repulsive, uh, in, The commentary and or just being nosy again, we can't forget the surveillance aspect and just trying to get more information to better control you uh, and have more details to better mistreat you in the workplace. Uh, But really making that effort about what I'm going to share, not talking about family goes back to why I say, you know, no pictures and all that stuff and having just not even engaging in those sort of uh conversations uh with whites uh the the dad that just all of it (laughs) her oh you niggas know your your father my goodness i can't believe he wasn't out or in prison smoking crack or whatever uh and then wow these niggas are going to michael jordan's restaurant i can't believe it i can't believe they're not in an alley somewhere going to mcdonald's or what have you going to jordan's restaurant consistent i think and A number, uh, I think, of black people that have called this program have talked about when whites see them doing something going on a vacation or you get a car or anything that suggests you are doing better than a struggling Negro in the cotton patch. Oh, the disgust. And then we have got to do something, Uh, maybe even increased hostility as a result of finding, wow, this person, this this Negro is is doing better than I think they should be. Much obliged for sharing other folks if you have commentary the email until justice at gmail.com until at gmail dot com. We'll make sure to include your commentary on the air. Before I get to the callers, also want to make sure I didn't get to check the switchboard to see if he's with us now, but Mr. Steele, I too am super thankful that he is healthy doing well he told us about uh, a horrendous car accident over this past weekend on the compensatory call-in where I believe he said it was a semi-truck that hit him on the road and thankfully uh, he survived and relatively unscathed uh, thankfully and I forgot to say something about that on the program I was so uh, scattered in terms of mentally just being all over I meant to Get in uh, my gratitude, too, that he was healthy and doing well. Thankfully, many of the listeners did so. I neglected. I am a victim of white supremacy. My apologies to Mr. Steele. But I and many of the listeners, very, very thankful that he is Healthy, doing well, and uh, hopefully uh, it was some White's faults directly, uh, and you can rack up an extraordinary bill uh, to get yourself right as ring, vehicle, and everything so that you can be super well compensated for all of that trauma. Number again 641 715 3640, the code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate first few folks who dialed in with a hand up line should be open if you have commentary to share uh feel free Uh, greetings thomas in new york
14: is um, yeah I, I definitely think that was a very slick racist white supremacist um remark about the father um very 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 slick how they worded it it came back and said oh because you never mentioned him just clearing the clearing it up for them you know but that's not what they meant um also um food cold very important um at the workplace. Now, I've um, been mentioning, I'm cutting the fruit, and some of the things that I'm seeing these people do, you know, just reaching in and grabbing. Uh, I also mentioned around the office they have these um, stations with nuts. Um, so, um, and it's, it's premium nuts, uh, hazelnuts, Brazilian nuts, um, walnuts, pecans, cashews, um, all war, no, nothing on them, and I don't like, um, you know, sweeter, or sour, yeah. It's hard to talk about nuts and it not sound the kind of way, but I don't like um, salt or sugar stuff on mine. I like them plain. So, uh, either way, as I'm um, walking through the office today, and um, these things are set up like candy machines. So, and I and I see the lady filling it up. It's a Filipino lady. Um, she puts. She comes to me to get the gloves I use to cut the fruit. So I know that she's not touching them. And I see the owner. He just took the lid off, reached in, grabbed the nuts, then. I watched someone else walk, and they just picked out a bunch of pecans out the thing from the top. So I said, "Oh, I'm never eating these nuts." So broke my code, and um, I saw it now. I see now that I'm never breaking my code again. Um, uh, last thing, the terrorist who terrorizes me at work on Friday after a whole day of terrorism, she comes to me and she tells me to mail some things for her to her country, to Ireland, and you know. Um, do this ASAP, and da 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 And uh, I won't be here for two weeks to terrorize you. I'm going on vacation. Have a nice um, couple of weeks. And she walked off. So I said she admitted it. <laughs> oh, it's terrorism.
1: And uh, I'll mute my line. Thank you, Gus. Wow. White people ignorant about racism. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and I, I've said that before, and from a white woman, no less. One more time. White women do it better hands down um sometimes whites will be that flagrant with it i mean she knows i'm practicing terrorism this is not unconscious bias this is direct white terrorism from the maiden of the plantation uh excellent about the food code we talked about that uh extensively uh and and Leaving your food around. We talked about that. Thomas talked about that directly last week with his nuts being fondled by the terrorist we just mentioned. Uh, But having a food code about leaving your food around, if it's lunch or snacks, I've talked about that consistently, not just having uh, like treats, snacks, uh, like nuts or candy or anything like that. I would not have any of that in my work station, office, anything like that uh, for whites to just come by and oh yes, now we have a reason to come and molest your area and take all of them or whatever. I wouldn't do any of that. I would have my food in a secure place uh, if you bring you know lunch uh, to the workplace and absolutely uh, and I would not have my food in a community refrigerator. Uh, I have been through that when I was less codified and my food was tampered with. I was furious knowing what I know now. I would not use the group refrigerator in the workplace if that means you need to get a cooler for your food if you have to have refrigerated items if it's cold enough that you can leave it in the car do that it would have to be something else worked out I have seen way too many times when I was confused and had white friends and everything and my food was not safe in the refrigerator, so I cannot imagine what it would be like once you are codified and not chummy and hanging out and going all to birthday parties and such with whites. So that would be my recommendation do not use the refrigerator at work. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if you have commentary. Oh, I meant this. It has been two years since we have been doing workplace racism. It's uh, started summer of 2016. We have come almost full circle. When it started, we were competing with the frickin NBA finals and the Golden State Warriors playing the Cavs to be back two years. And it's exactly the same problem hasn't been solved. Same team's playing, which I guess that'll be the way things continue until we solve this problem. Might be the same team's plan next year. But that was where workplace racism started competing with the NBA finals. Other folks we've not heard from at all. If you have commentary, proceed. Hey, Gus, can I add one more thing?
14: I know I'll do this to you all the time. I apologize. It, all, it always comes back to me. What um, you just mentioned about Starbucks, um, it was a company that a lot of people were um, working for, but they went bankrupt in um, Las Vegas, but they're based out of China called Faraday Futures. They were going to be like a Tesla uh, making electric cars that go super fast. Either way, the owner got into serious debt in China. He went to get on a plane, not accepted, um, based off of his visual image. Went to get on the bus, car won't work. Based off of his visual image, he's um, considered a a social threat, um, and nothing works for him. So just imagine us at Starbucks, you get the coffee, not going to accept us. I just thought that was um, on point, what you said.
1: Troublemaker. That's what they said. No more troublemakers in the future. Be locked out of everywhere. Uh, Folks, we've not heard from at all. If you have commentary, proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Greetings, retired firefighter greetings everyone yes um
15: just wanted to uh uh oh something i was thinking about uh as soon as I get online i forget about it but uh anyway uh i've taken on a uh a new job and uh it requires me to be at the uh hospital uh and i'm uh, one fifth of personnel that is taking care of the person that gave birth to me. Uh, I've been at the hospital uh, on a shift since the day that white people call Mother's Day. So that's what I'm that's where I'm reporting at, reporting from right now. Uh, my mother being. 90 years old, uh, and I'm seeing the revolving point to where as she taking care of and feeding, you know, bathing, you know, that sort of thing of five children, and now they have lived long enough and she has lived long enough to now we're having to do that for her. Otherwise, I'm observing the hospital personnel at the same time and uh basically what i see so far is the uh the way that they uh articulate with our mother and primarily it's condescending uh she is not addressed with a title uh she is called uh honey and baby and sweetie you know those type of things uh, as opposed to giving her a title uh, I have mentioned it to several of the personnel white and non-white as far as they're concerned Uh, with the non-white personnel I asked her uh, this is the RN I asked her how old are you she said 25 I said well you're young enough to be my daughter actually she's young enough to be my granddaughter uh and i said uh and i put it in terms of a question don't she deserve the title she's 90 years old and i don't even address her with a as a with a first name and uh she thought about it and the good thing about it she corrected her uh her uh address Uh, and in turn I've been mentioning to several of the personnel that I have been witnessing with that behavior Uh, but stay tuned I'll probably be here maybe perceivably maybe here for another week uh, as far as they're concerned. eventually uh, she's going to uh, we're going to take her home uh, eventually sooner hopefully Uh, last but not least uh, yes the diversity diversity quote-unquote training Uh, from my experiences uh, what it uh, creates is anger with the white people Uh, I the 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 sessions that I've sat on on the fire department uh, it makes the white people angry (laughs) and uh, because first of all because they're white and they do not like idea even another white person that that was who was conducting the meetings the meeting uh, even another white person to tell them on how to think and what to say as simple as that so I mean that's like obvious to me that that particular situation does not work at all Uh, and uh, and it's just something to say that we we uh, went over the same thing I think about the people like the so called uh anti racist like the Jane Elliott's and uh and the uh, uh you mentioned his name earlier in the program. Timothy uh, Wise T- Timothy Wise. Uh I mean it's no way, there's no way that they even are still alive if they were consistent as they pretend to be. Uh white people would, would harm them in uh permanent ways uh let alone talking about can you imagine a, a white child comes home and explains what jane elliott did in that classroom to her and she tells her parent a uh, parents about it i mean come on no no way in the world that's going to be that's going to be a consistent situation and white people don't react to that white person and uh that's all i have to say i'll listen to others Uh, in their uh, participation.
1: Thank you. Appreciate that, retired firefighter. Uh, Great black self-respect. Wish your mother the best. Hopefully she can get out of there pronto. Uh, That is uh, wow. What a task. Battling medical apartheid. Harriet A. Washington, top five. We talked about that Uh, All the time. And that exactly that having a healthy person at your side, if you have to go to the hospital or get any sort of medical treatment, have somebody who is there who is healthy thinking so that they can observe, ask questions and just uh, look out for your best interest, uh, because that is certainly an environment where racism, white supremacy is rampant. Uh, Just just that right there to look out to make sure that uh, how they are addressing your Mother or whomever the loved one happens to be oh there's there's one more there's one more thing if i if i can uh
15: because the uh the eldest her eldest child is, is a retired registered nurse and uh you have myself as a retired firefighter you know in the emergency medical field primarily and uh, and even the baby is uh is a uh functioning uh enforcement official. <laughs> Uh, and uh i i actually see resentment out of the personnel at the hospital uh even with some of the non white people i see some anti blackness that occurred uh the the youngest uh stated that she thought that uh one of the personnel was uh had an attitude uh, primarily because my my older sister uh she knows every Point of the uh, treatment of the care for patients because she literally was doing was doing this for about thirty years, <laughs> you know. So she's very much aware of it, and uh, from there they know that they are being watched. And just like any of any job, you got some people who who they may have the qualifications, but that doesn't have anything to do with the ability to perform and the will to want to do perform in a correct and uh, uh, efficient way, basically what Mr. Fuller says, practicing justice. And uh, so uh, so that's what she has, because that's what she, she produced. I'm talking about my mother. That's what she produced, you know, out of us. And uh, so uh, we're on it, and I'll stay tuned and uh, give some updates uh,
1: if uh, she stays that long. Thank you context of white supremacy, much obliged retired firefighter. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, again, star six one. if you dialed in, if you uh, have commentary that you'd like to share on what's been uh, discussed so far, or if you have your own situation uh, that you want to share. So again, if we have any folks who have figured out counter-racist Codificate, uh, codification in the workplace that works well so that you don't have problems with whites. They call you sir, ma'am, every time. Get your paycheck correctly. All of that. We should definitely hear from you. Uh, and uh, I think you would also be constructive folks who have uh, figured out ways to use codification effectively. Where counter-racism has benefited you on the job. If you have examples of that, I think that's always helpful uh, as well to show that this is not just Uh, abstract and theory, uh, that there is practical application uh, that helps people solve problems without creating new problems. Uh, So definitely, uh, folks have been able to apply counter-racist concepts constructively to your benefit in the job. We would love to hear about that always. Other folks we haven't heard from at all, proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am.
7: Hi, Gus. I'm a first-time caller, so excuse me if I'm a little off or if my words sound choppy. I'm going to be reading from some notes I actually took. I am actually unemployed at the moment. I was employed, but I've been taking some um, workshops at like a local career center that they offer here in the city, and the workshop is run by a non-white male, not non-white, I'm sorry, excuse me, by white male. And there were about eight non-whites in the class, and six of them were females, two of them were males. So what piqued my interest in taking notes initially is I was listening to a broadcast on YouTube, and I heard someone mention that they kind of do these social experiments where they'll call somebody sir or ma'am or something, something with titles. So um, we go around the room to introduce ourselves, and everyone does their introduction, and one of the non-white males in the classroom, a black male, he refers to himself as Mr. And the reason why I started taking notes is because I took kind of notice of the way that the instructor reacted. He was kind of like, oh, Mr. Nobody else had introduced themselves in that way. So he introduced himself as Mr., And he wanted to know what the last name of our instructor was, the white supremacist suspect male. And he says that the um, white male says that he hates being called by his last name because it makes him feel like his dad. So in rebuttal to that, the non-white black male says, well, I'll just call you, sir, as a conveyance of respect. So he proceeds to um, call this man, sir throughout the remainder of the workshop. And I just thought that was interesting. I haven't really um, dissected it too deeply yet, but I just thought that was kind of interesting, especially in light of what I heard a previous caller mention on the broadcast. So um, this white male who was running the workshop, I had met with him previously where he invited me to this workshop, but in our previous meeting, he mentioned LinkedIn. And I'm not sure if the callers are aware of what LinkedIn is, but it's kind of like a Facebook for careers. So what you do is you create a profile, you put on there your work information and all of these other things. You make connections with people. You know, they might have went to your college or high school. You might have worked with them. And LinkedIn, like, links you together. So I'm always very hesitant about those kind of things because I'm a skeptic when it comes to just having my likeness or my information out there on the internet, especially in the system that we live in. So he advised me to join this LinkedIn site and you know, I was hesitant to comply, but I did it anyway. And we're working on it together. And he's like, Well now the only thing you have to do is uh upload your picture, you know, put the picture on there and I that immediately alarmed me especially because I was listening to another previous broadcast, I'm not sure if it was workplace racism, but it might have just been um, context of white supremacy broadcast, where they were talking about facial recognition software, and how um, Amazon was promoting their facial recognition software to law enforcement agencies, and things like that. So, So that kind of was very off putting to me because I'm not somebody who does, like, Snapchat and Facebook and all that. You know, like, people are getting crazy about filters and things like that, which is a form of facial recognition that I'm very skeptical about, like I said, because of the system of white supremacy that that we live in. And it was just very interesting to me. Like I said, these are things that have occurred within the last 24 to 48 hours. I haven't really had a chance to dissect them. I've just been taking notes. It was very interesting to me that we were talking about, you know, like taking pictures and like algorithms and things like that. When he said, you know, oh, you put your information in, you put your picture in, and then these companies have an algorithm, and they can find you, and this, this, that, and a third. So it just made me think, oh, great, this is just another way for white supremacists to be racist, because we know that the software is only as biased or non-biased as the programmer, and as was previously mentioned in a a broadcast, most of the programming is racist because the programmers are racist. So that was very telling to me. It was kind of like a a red flag. Um, Another thing I took note of in this workshop and just in work environments in general is people's propensity, specifically white males and black males, to talk about sports and sporting of it. And um I love the grandfester, Dr. Francis Cress name. And I always think of her whenever I hear people start talking about sports, so they started talking about sports and my interest got peaked. And the um the white male who was in charge of the workshop, he mentioned track, baseball, and football. So I thought that was interesting in this environment that he was talking about sports where he was making like these little sports analogies and him and um, there were two non-white black males in the class, they kind of had little asides about football and things like that. And trying to, you know, there were a few instances where they tried to engage me in the conversation, but I was staying on cold. I was just observing and taking in my environment, taking in all information that I could about the interaction And I think that's about it. But the last thing I did want to ask, and I don't know if this is appropriate or off topic specifically for neutralizing workplace racism is um, the retired firefighter. I noticed I live in um, a city that's very segregated. I don't know about every other city, but my city specifically, there's statistics and data that shows that it's a very segregated city. And I noticed that recently there's been A lot of media locally and even kind of nationally about fires and firefighting. And I was just kind of curious as to what is the agenda with that. Like they have that new Fahrenheit um, 411 movie that came out with Michael B. Jordan as like, he's a star, he's like a black firefighter, which is rare from my experience because the city I live in. The population of firefighter of black firefighters is like very low. There's like one black woman who's a firefighter, and then there's a few black males, and then the rest, of course, is white males. But in my city, they recently had um, a test, a firefighter civil service exam, in the last few months, and then like two years ago, they had another one, which is where most of the influx of the black male firefighters came from. So I was just curious as to what is this push about trying to get black men to be firefighters? And I think that's it for me. And I'll meet my line.
1: Right on. First time caller. Uh, Hope the cows has been constructive, uh, helping you get a better, more accurate understanding of white supremacy, racism. Glad you were able to uh, dial in experimenting in the workplace. Great. Uh, Your observation about the black male who, Uh, I guess, identified himself as Mr. and then would not call the white instructor by his first name. Just said, I'm going to call you, sir. That's that's interesting all the way around to not even call the person by their name. Uh, You're just going to be, sir, that might be a code. Some others want to adopt in the workplace or other situations uh, as it might be helpful to you without causing any problems. Uh, I think the sport we talked about that before. I think the sports in the workplace, and that's another one that uh, my my suggestion is: even if you are in the sports, if you're at a sports bar right now with a nine foot, you know, HD screen watching the finals, uh, when you get to work tomorrow, oh no, I didn't. Why we were tied up? I'm not really into sports like that. I don't really follow basketball. Nope, uh, because that's another one. Really, anything but you really want to if you're going to be talking you want to be talking about things related to the job not engaged in just casual uh, banter uh, that is giving opportunity for whites the tackiness the trashiness uh, to come in just be on task be known for being serious being talking about work and definitely no I do not watch any sports I don't follow any sports and I am not going to be engaged in this sort of casual chit chat about sports uh, with a white person on the job like no way Um The, I don't really see a push. I do see, I have been seeing, I think I've been playing quite a few in terms of reports about racism involving uh, the fire department, but I do not see a push to have black males or black people, period, be firefighters. Uh, I think I've even seen reports where uh, black male firefighters have been victimized and mistreated, where whites seemed like they were upset about uh, having a black male firefighter or a Black firefighter, period, uh, present amongst them. So uh, I can't say that I've seen a push to encourage Black people or non-white people in general to be firefighters, but I have seen uh, more incidents involving white supremacy, racism, and, and firefighters. But I mean, that would that could just be there. They're getting a little bit more publicity. Now, that would be the case with with all areas of people activity. I mean, if you if you knew all the data, it would be, you know, subway employees practicing racism, people that at the Coca-Cola factory practicing racism. Uh, you know, you could just go through all areas of people activity. And if you had enough information, that's what it would look like. Whites, all the things that they're doing and all all over the world all day long. Uh, As we as we proceed, I guess people can can respond to that if they've seen evidence of of black people or black males specifically being encouraged uh, to join the fire department. We can respond to that as we go. Other folks that we've not heard from, if you have comments or questions that you would like to add, feel free.
11: May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, guys. Hi, all other callers. Um, I'm calling because referencing the um, Starbucks um, recording from earlier. So um, I had realized a while back that, hey, you know, I only know what I know, and I can only think how I think and how I've been raised and becoming, of course, realizing I didn't know the terminology, but I realized I was a victim and wanting to kind of get in the heads and the minds of white people. You know, what do they say? Like um, we've said before, what do they say when we're not around or what do they type? You know, cause I see they, they're very bold and very rude, especially on Facebook when I read their comments in the comment section. So there's a website, um, that I go when I really want to kind of see what the whites are thinking. Could I give that website? Is that possible?
1: Oh, let's hear it. Uh,
11: citydata.com, city-data, dat Are you familiar with it? I don't know if you are, but if you go in, it's like this site that um, talks about demographics and it highlights all over the world. Every state is in City Data. But I particularly go into the forums. So, of course, if you know how forums work, they have all different types of topics. Every topic you can think of, they, they have it on City Data. So I, I'll go and I'll look in the current events and kind of see what the current event topics are talking about. So I uh, was looking for and I found the Starbucks and kind of wanted to see what the whites thought about the bias training. And it was so funny um, when I went on because there was someone started a thread <laughs> and it said uh, it it had a highlight of Common and I know you someone you mentioned Common earlier, so this guy starts a thread and it says oh they had some rapper called Common. In the video training, you know in amongst the video for the training, and this guy is known to use the n word and I like burst out laughing because I mean nothing about the bias they they just went in and started talking about the n word and how this rapper how can he teach bias training when he himself uses the n word and in his raps, but you know are mad when other non-black people used the n-word and if it's, it's such a bad word and it it's so i mean they just went on and a couple of uh, uh non-white black people you know came to the defense so to speak of saying why are you people so pressed you know why are you so desperate to want to use this word i mean they had so much banter even one guy said, well if a white person calls another white person the n-word is it still a foul word I mean, nothing about the bias, they just, all they wanted to talk about was Common, his, you know, rap career, and how he had used the word in his rap. So, that was um, totally hilarious to me. And um, I'll just mute my line on that.
1: Mm. Uh, Not surprised. He's a victim of white supremacy, Common, but I think my memory is not too, da- too bad. He was at the 2015 event that they had for Starbucks. But whites being tacky and practicing racism, finding some way to divert the conversation. That's pretty standard act of white terrorism. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from at all if you have commentary, or if you have suggestions, uh, any of what's been discussed thus far, if you have suggestions or analysis on that, or if you have your own situation you want to address, feel free.
0: Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, good evening, Gus. Good evening to all the callers and listeners. This is the software developer in Wisconsin. Um, just uh, first off, uh, to be woman that was, uh, or the black female that was talking about uh, LinkedIn and her apprehension about LinkedIn, um, it is an effective tool. It's If you're looking for a professional position, uh, anybody who's looking to hire you will definitely be checking on LinkedIn. Uh, I've given the sort of these tips here before, but I'll just say again, I would not use it as a Facebook As a sort of quasi Facebook app, I would use it only for um, networking, only for actual workplace things. um, Because if you, because everybody's going to be able to see this, your coworkers are going to be able to see this, any company that may be interested in you may be able to see this, so you want to keep it as professional as possible. But it is a very useful tool, and unfortunately, in certain industries in certain areas it will be a necessary tool um, so so i would not be as apprehensive about it just know how to use it effectively i think ken Steele, who gus was speaking about uh, earlier ken Steele has been on this program numerous times and has given uh, many tips on linkedin and as far as i remember i think he's in recruiting is that correct us or maybe i'm incorrect about that
1: I think you might be accurate on that one.
0: Yeah. So he, so I would, I would definitely take his advice, and and I've had um, some good uh, results as a result of taking his advice. Uh, which brings me to, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. Was somebody speaking?
1: Uh, I think it might have just I been. I
0: heard something.
1: background noise. Sorry about that. Folks okay. could remember to mute their line. That would be helpful.
0: Oops. Um, okay whoops got All confused right.
1: myself go ahead sorry about that
0: no problem no problem um it's such a popular show gus you know <laughs> um yes uh so that brings me to my story uh, last week I, well, I think i've been talking about this for a few months now um the sort of increased surveillance at my job um terrorism at the hands of the lead architect and this sort of culminated in me deciding that maybe it's time to get a new job. And they, I think they're up to something. They may be trying to fire me, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty much not going to give them a reason to fire me. So they're going to have to make something up, and then we'll see what happens. So this past week, I decided to update my LinkedIn. But prior to updating my LinkedIn, I got it. I got a message from a recruiter. A a so-called recruiter i don't know if he was a recruiter or not and it said uh well you know i was wondering if you would be interested in a um in a position with a travel software company here in milwaukee and as far as i know the only travel software company that I, that I know of in this area, and I would know because we have competitors, right? So um, the only travel software company in this area is the soft travel software company that I work for. So I thought that was really interesting, so I asked a few questions. I just asked, you know, what travel software company is this? Um, you know, I work for a travel software company, and and I would be concerned that it would be one of our competitors, you know, just trying to get some information, never heard anything back. Fun thing is, one of two things, either was somebody who was being used by somebody at the company, I mean, they're this devious, you know, to fish to see if I was interested in leaving or just trying to get some information somehow, or that it was some, or that they were trying to see um, whether or not I would do anything incorrect by giving a competitor some information. I can't. According to my employment contract, I couldn't go to a tra- another travel software company for two years anyway. So, they're pretty strict about that level of competition. Um, other than that, I do have a question. I was just wondering what victims of racism think about uh, think about references. I I have a really difficult time with this whenever I'm looking for a job. This is usually my most dreaded part of looking for the job I'm okay with the interview the resume everything else but the references and I think the issue is most of the people I know in this industry are white and I don't really keep in contact with white people maybe I should Um, and so I don't really build those relationships to create those references so I'm wondering what victims of racism have done about references in the past and with that I'll mute my line thanks Gus
1: Great question uh, for building references and uh, sources for references as you build your career. Uh, If folks have tips, suggestions uh, on that, let me know. I've found uh, it took me a while. Whites cheated everything. I'm not advocating cheating, but I have found that whites a lot of times uh, they will network They will use workplace references and all that, but I've also seen where whites, they will use like their friends and such uh, to write glowing references and letters. I had no idea how extensively whites cheat. I'm not encouraging that, but certainly I think we all have networks, uh, professional networks and what have you, people that you are cordial with, black people uh, that you're cordial with. I think if we can build some of those networks, professional networks with other black people where you can have at least one person where, hey, this is someone who's professional. They know how to write a uh, reference. They can you know, be contacted and respond and say great things, that sort of thing. I think that might be helpful, something we can look at as well. Other folks, tips on ways that we can build resources specifically for the purpose of this is I know someone or three someone's, four or five someone's that I can go to for quality references. No tips maybe. Stacy in the UK, get my time stamp here joining us live <laughs> two oh it's about to click. give me two seconds two oh eight a m Friday morning, June first already over there. wonderful to hear from you stacy
16: um hello to you guys, and to the rest of the calls. apologies because I didn't hear most of the program, but just on the um well, two things, LinkedIn, and I didn't hear the person's query. But um, uh, LinkedIn, oh, sorry, I'll answer the questions uh, on references first. I mean, I would try to go to professional, people I know professionally, and maybe it's different in the US to UK, um, most employers will ask for a professional reference um, I guess it doesn't preclude your second referee being someone you know outside of your immediate employer but sometimes they're quite specific so maybe the context is different as well but I would you know, sometimes go to organisations that I've worked with or um, companies that have been um, you know well, par- partner partner organisations basically and anybody that I've built a good relationship and in a professional context to get a backup reference um, whether that's a non-white person or a white person um, but I do think it's even for me you know I, I know that I'm not as good as I should be in terms of building up that reference bank and I think it's worth all of us Um, making that part of our strategy anyway. And with LinkedIn, so I didn't hear the person's question, but um, I've noticed that LinkedIn seemed to have recently updated a lot of their functions, um, the look and feel of the site itself, but also some of the functionality. So I I said, what... um, a while back that I had gone through and made sure that I blocked people in my current organisation who I don't want to be able to see my page anyway. Um, But depending on how you go into all of the preferences on LinkedIn, you know, you can um, be seen by other websites. So I just think it's worth checking doing a search on yourself and seeing what information is accessible and then adjust your settings accordingly. So um, you can either, for example, limit other search engines which can pick up your, your, um, your LinkedIn page. And also what I found useful is to limit the people who can actually see So even if, you know, you might want other search engines to pick up your um, site because you're looking for for jobs, but what you can do is limit the way in which people who are not connections of yours can see information about you. So they may just be able to see your name, your job that you worked at a particular organisation and no other information on there. And again, depending on what information you want to give out, you can adjust those settings accordingly. Um, and a uh, software developer just mentioned uh, that uh, was, uh, she was being contacted by um, people recruiters and it's really interesting because that happened to me recently now I can even though I'm not still not in the office, I can um, log in remotely and the way the phones are set up now is that if someone leaves a voicemail also will be um, transferred to your your emails so i can pick up a voicemail if somebody's called me and i worked for this organization for many many years over 10 years i've never been contacted by a recruitment agency um and certainly i don't give out my number not least because i tend to function using emails i very rarely give out my number not that people can't find me but i very rarely give up my number and i tend not to be contacted by recruitment agencies but very recently i got a message from a voicemail from a recruitment agency to my work but my, my my work number um wanting me to get in contact and i just figured okay this is some either trying to see if i'm interested in leaving or trying to encourage me to leave or some kind of surveillance, so I just absolutely ignored it because it just didn't feel right and and I go with my gut instinct when something doesn't feel right, then I just ignore it now, you know it may have been the best job in the world I don't know, but you know um not that I doubt my abilities, but that just didn't seem right, and it was very out of the norm um so yeah like the software developer um uh, I hope I'm calling her by her right tag, but um, yeah, you know, you know, all kinds of tricks will be played to encourage us to leave and to undermine us, or just to check upon us. I've got a couple of other updates, Gus, but I'll meet my line there. Hmm.
1: Just real quick, if someone were to say, "Hey, uh, Stacy, you're being, you're being paranoid." that could have been a great offer that you turned down for, for no good reason but what would your response be if you had to use logic to explain why you said I think something is suspicious about this I'm going to pass
16: um, uh, put it this way I might well be paranoid but that doesn't mean they're not out to get me that's <laughs> my response to that I you know the fact is sometimes these things aren't necessarily easy to explain logical whatever but as i said i trust my instinct nowadays and if they really 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 want me they'll find another way but there was no detail given um and you know to i've again i've not had a recruitment company track me down at work A recruitment company could easily find me through LinkedIn. I mean, as much as I've just said, I've adjusted my um, settings. Anybody who's legitimately in recruitment will be able to track you down through LinkedIn and contact you there. Uh, And anybody who knows me, because the person did say we haven't spoken for a while and I didn't recognize the name or anything else, would have had some kind of other contact details from me, whether that's an email Um, I guess my mobile number could have changed along the way, but I had other mechanisms to contact me, not to my work number and to my direct work number, as opposed to even just the the organization. There there are a lot of reasons why it just didn't feel right to me. But as I said, um, I might well be paranoid, but that does not mean they're not out to get me. I mean, my line gas.
1: Context of white supremacy. Other folks we've not heard from at all. I feel like I'm I'm hearing folks waiting uh, in the background. Are there other folks we've not heard from who had commentary? Not heard. Uh, yes, sir.
5: Uh, thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Um, Speaking of uh, Starbucks, I I did hear that segment in the beginning. There was a video that I had seen on YouTube. It was of a a white person. He said uh, he sat in one of the training sessions that that was at a Starbucks. He took a couple of notes. Um, And he said, like, maybe it was him paraphrasing from what they said in the uh, training session. But he said one thing was, I guess, something about just blatantly stop being mean to black people. Like, that's how he put it on his notes. That was the first one. And he said the second one was he, he was referring to this scale called the Fitzpatrick Skin Scale it's an image of this on Google and he said like, there was referring to the scale saying, if you are one, like don't be mean to a five or a six. Okay. Like don't, if you are one, one is, um, melanin deficient, uh, pale skin. So that's interesting. They got white is number one. So it's saying don't be mean to a two. I mean, don't be mean to a, a, a six and this is all kinds of confusion because black or uh, was dark brown is at the six. So he's saying, Hey, you know, and he's, and he's uh, interpreting this in the video that if you be mean to a two or a three, then you may be biased. But when you get to a four and a, and a five and a six, you your races, um, and when he got to that, I just pretty much just stopped the video. So I guess that was something he's saying that they mentioned that the, uh, the anti-bias training. Um, as far as the workplace, I had small uh, incidents that I had uh, been uh, noticing. The other day, there was a, a black, um, they looked like a, a black um, sheriff that was trying to get on the elevator, but he was trying to talk to somebody. And uh, it was in the morning time, so it's been raining a lot down here. Um and there was a uh, a white officer. So I was already in the elevator and uh he's using the uh the umbrella saying, so, Hey, go ahead and get in there, get in there, get in there. So as he's saying, get in there, it's like he he's using it uh metaphorically as a cattle prod or something, like he's hurting herding along some animals. Like get like get in there uh, like some kind of uh prison guard or something. And then he he kind of jolted it at me once, and then he said good morning to the uh to the other black guy um, this this incident happened very fast uh but I, I thought that was an act of racism and it was it was like a real kind of um awkward silence for like about four or five seconds um the My next incident was uh I was having a uh a conversation with my supervisor. Um, and I had asked her a question. I said, like when it was about customer service and I said, what does one do if a customer comes in that's law enforcement and says, they're coming for you. And, you know, she looked at me like <laughs> I had this on, I had I was recording this too. And she said, well, like, did this actually happen to you? And I said, yes, it did. You know? Uh, like has this happened to anybody else Says no this is the first time i've heard of it and she would say that i you know i'm just afraid of the, of the police and i just try to stay out of their way and she finally answered it by saying i guess i would say like hey what do you mean by that uh i don't know if you were joking or anything but you know why would you say that but that was the extent of uh that answer to that question and my uh my next incident was, uh, I was told to take a picture or well, Cause I got my promotion recently because I figured it wouldn't take too long to get it, but it was supposed to have been done like five, six months ago. And I sent the email on the 10th and just yesterday, five 30, 2018, they uh they signed me off so I can get the promotion done. But what was suspicious was the uh, the the um, the executive white person or one of the top white people. They came to me and wanted me to take a picture with the uh, the, the clerk I guess. And then I predicted that they were going to do this because as you know it's the end of the month and they're going to do a new circuit rider. So I, I predicted that they were gonna exploit my um my achievement, I guess. They were gonna exploit it to utilize it for the, the newsletter. And so he says, Yeah, you know, uh the clerk wants to take a picture with you. So I just went on ahead and uh and I took the picture. So I guess they're supposed to have a huge write up about me in the morning for the new um newsletter. So I thought that was um, very tacky because the, the thing that's really stood out about it was that I told him, I was, I was like, Hey, you know, I don't have my certificate. I took it home with me because that's personal information. I don't want to leave that sitting around, but he says, Oh, well, you know what? I uh, will, we'll find something, you know? So he got, he got a copy of my certificate. Okay. And just so I could take this picture. So, uh that happened today, and that's the
1: only thing I have to share right now and Thank you. Wow. The whites at the courthouse they are getting down with the newsletter like that's that's at least the third time this year that I can think of where you shared where the third time this year overall, and isn't this your second time being uh blazoned in the in the newsletter? For your achievements at the courthouse
5: this will be part three
1: part three three i missed one they have been <laughs> active with the newsletter like wow we cannot get his photo in here enough like uh man with all of the different problems that you've been talking about even though you mentioned it today but you know different things where they might be getting in trouble for mistreating folks on the job and not doing right mistreating i think it was black female uh, employee, they are like, "Wow, we're going to have at least three or four different newsletters that we can bust up." Like, what are you talking about? We have the greatest respect for our black employees. We look at our newsletter, look, 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 the whole year. That's all we've done. <laughs> like, uh, wow. Uh, let's see the the Starbucks video portion that you mentioned about the video. Now, I have not seen that, but. That does not surprise me at all if it was ones, if that's what we're talking about, people that are classified as ones based on being melanin deficient. And then the darker you are, more melanin, you are a five or a six. We have a number scale. And somehow the number scale, people classified as white are number one. Hmm. System of white supremacy. And they should have just kept the store open and maybe let black people come in and get whatever they want for free for four hours. Maybe that would have been better than the training. They always I just mentioned that I think two weeks ago, too. They always find a way to move it away from racism, white supremacy, racial bias, prejudice, discrimination. They got a bunch of more coming white privilege. They got always find a way to move it away from that. And then they find a way to to move away from having to identify the problem as whites. It'll be anything. The majority, the dominance, those in power, anything, any way of identifying them as other than whites. Uh, Let's see. Not surprised with the metal incident either about the police, her comment about the police situation. Not surprised at all. Uh if let's see, other folks that we missed completely, uh if we have folks who have not made any comments, uh the line again or number rather, six four one seven one five three six four zero, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. We did have that question about uh references. How does a black person, non-white person specifically, go about uh, making sure that you have resources, maybe two, three, five people, really, uh, that you can rely on, that you know that they will be able to write a quality reference uh, should you need one? Uh, Have people found ways of getting references or even making sure that you have one or two whites, race soldiers, that you know, hey, this person is classified as white, but I think they will write me. A reasonable letter that you know would help me land a job. we have any uh, folks who wanted to follow up on that question? I think I did mute a few folks lines. There was a little background noise coming in. I'll make sure I get folks unmuted now. Thank you. OK, other folks. we Can I be heard? Uh, let's see. I can hear you, retired firefighter. Just give me one second to make sure. Is anybody we missed completely? Anybody called in that we've not heard from at all?
17: Yes. Hi, guess. Could I add a comment? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes. Hi, it's it's from Toronto, Canada again. Hello to you, your callers and listeners. Um, yes, yeah, I, I just wanted to add a comment about the um, about the references. Um, one of the things that uh, has helped me in the past and that I consistently do is I put together what I call a show me binder, um, and the show me binder is literally comprises of a binder and. Um, and a copy of your evaluation or performance review, provided that it's an exceptional review. So if you received an exceptional review, you can insert that into the copy uh, or into the binder. Um, uh, you put in also your uh, letters of commendation from uh, customers and, and, uh, and workers um, as well outlining um, the skill sets that you've done well or how you've achieved certain goals or how you've uh, helped assist the company um, meet uh, their bottom line of, a, of accruing more money based on, on what have you, or, or maybe, you know, a, an idea that, that was extremely successful within the business. Um, so things of that nature. And then um, also um, to get at least three references of of um, uh, personnel within a supervisory role. Um, what I've been finding more with um, with the companies is that uh, when they're being asked for references, um, they're really they're, they're more asking to um, to uh, go through HR as opposed to say the, the supervisor. Or the program manager, or or uh, the director. Um, the and the thing is that HR uh, oftentimes is not in a supervisory role to assess the skill set. So um, whether those references is via phone or by email, the uh, HR um, has uh, you know these very um, how can I say uh, very generalized responses that doesn't reflect um the true skill set of of the employee so to just finding um three additional personnel in in supervisory roles um who can actually attest to uh your skill set um and to have them uh preferably within a three to five year range um that would qualify as the most recent range um uh, and and uh, not to be afraid to ask for references uh, when when you know that you're doing great work um, just to get into the habit of oh well if you really like my work you know, could you put it in writing or if you really like my work can I use the as a reference and that goes for um, a casual contract, full time, part time job so that's uh, what I wanted to share with you
1: Outstanding we have a Caller representing the six right now, Toronto's finest. Uh, do you have you had any obstacles or, uh, I guess, tips in getting uh, whites to write you references or things that you can add to your show me binder? Hi, sorry, it's
17: just I'm meeting you off of my cell phone. Yes, um, I I I I, uh, I haven't had an issue, but the thing is that in in what I'm doing in particular is I'm I'm doing contract work Um, even though I have it under my own business I'm uh, getting um, uh, clients subcontracted to me via another um, another agency so what happens is that uh, in uh, Toronto Ontario here uh, you're allowed to ask um, the uh, person or the company or the organization that you're with um, to, to request for a reference uh, from them. That you can definitely do. Um, and uh, I, I've been able to successfully, just by asking candidly, you know, if you like my work, can, can I use you as a reference? Um, if for, in some cases, uh, they would say, okay, they have to clear it with their supervisor, uh, and then they'll provide me a reference. Some will provide me a written one. Some will provide me um, uh, their, all their information so that um, if needed to be contacted, then um, they're, they're easily accessible uh, to provide it. So I haven't had any problems, um, whether it's coming from a white person or a non-white.
1: Nice. The show me binder. Great way to just collect information. Whites are constantly collecting uh, data to tear us down and talk about, you know, how primitive and savage we are, that outstanding uh, to catalog your own accomplishments as you proceed through your career. And then you kind of have ready-made material that you can show, this is what I've done, this is what I've accomplished, and people who can speak to, you know, my skills in the workplace. Uh, I know Retired Firefighter Fighter, uh, had commentary. Is it anybody that we missed completely? Anybody that has a hand up uh, who we've not heard from at all? Right on. While we're waiting in the interim, Retired Firefighter, did you want to share your commentary, sir? Thank you for being patient. Yes, sir. I-
9: I'm just going to be uh, very brief. Uh, uh, based. Based on what I've been hearing, I, I, I do think it's a good job to uh, just uh, keep uh, filed away way, uh, as many references as you can. I, myself, personally, didn't have to, uh, to go through that a whole lot because primarily uh, uh, the, uh, the job that I uh, retired from uh, was basically what I did for about 28, 29 years. Uh so you know, I, I didn't really uh, have any other uh, job as far as job that you know supplied you uh, uh, with uh, a sufficient uh, amount of income and and whatnot. Uh, but I, I I would think that's a very very good thing to have. is a uh, a list of references that you can rely upon, including some white people because white people could get you in places that you normally would not be able to get in. Uh, That's identified by the system of racist white supremacy in itself. So that's all I have to say. Thank
1: you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, That I think I had mentioned before, specifically with the context of workplace racism, to look to cultivate uh, sources on the job Uh, can be whites, non-whites, uh, all of the above. Uh, but folks who are knowledgeable about the work environment where you can get resources, you can get information about things that are happening there, information that might not be available from other folks, uh, might not be available unless you've worked at that place for a long time and just have expertise. Uh, that sort of thing can be helpful uh, also with just getting sources that you know, this is someone that I want to use for a reference. Uh, you can go about the business of cultivating that relationship. Even as you apply counter racism, like I know this is a relationship that I'm cultivating specifically for the purposes of getting a reference. That's it. That's how I'm going to conduct myself here over here. I'm not looking for a reference. My code might vary completely uh, because I know there's never going to be a time that I'm going to ask this individual for a reference or anything else. So my code and how I interact with that person will look different. Just be mindful of that as well, but I think that's something uh, I'm sure a lot of people could benefit from, tips on uh, making sure, bam, we have at least three, four sources ready-made for a reference. Uh, other folks have commentary they want to share? Hi guys, Stacy Stacey in the UK. Uh,
16: yeah, just coming back on, um, well, I'll give an update as well, but um, just coming back on the LinkedIn thing, as soon as they were talking about references um what i've not been good at in the past but what i've been doing lately is also getting people to leave recommendations about you and i guess those are equivalents of references on your linkedin page that way um even if you can't get necessarily the a person from your Employee, employer um, you know you, or rather use that person as a formal reference depending on the requirement that the new employer might be asking for you've got a list of referees on um, people who are prepared to ref, uh, give you recommendations and it's a quick at really so somebody approached me recently asked me to do them a recommendation so I just asked them to do me do the same for me in return. And that, that looks good if you're being um, viewed by recruiters on LinkedIn. Um, and I want to just uh, give two, talk about two things um, that happened to me at previous jobs. Um, one, and, and I guess it's just the way in which, sometimes these suspected racists can appear to be one thing and quite the other, or switch on you at any point. Um, I was quite new in the organisation. This was a, a job I had quite a while ago. And at the time, I was learning, or I wanted to learn to drive. And my employer was really good because he encouraged me to take time out of my work day to take driving lessons and was really accommodating and I was you know I thought gosh this this person is really such a good boss and um it was an organization that I'd worked with in the past before actually joining the organization formally and Again, you know, when you know better, you, you kind of look at the world a bit differently. But it, he was a white male and um, most of the staff there were black. And I thought, oh, he's very progressive. But I, when I got to work there, I realized it was a plantation. Um, but as I said, you know, he was really accommodating of me, um, didn't have any issues. Then I passed my driving test. Oh, sorry, I passed the test. So it came time to, for me to buy the car. And uh, all of a sudden he started talking to me about, you know, oh, cars are expensive, difficult to run, blah, 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 blah. And I never actually asked him for any information about what car I should buy and what they cost to run. Um, and where the building was based, it was uh, on what well, was a shared Shed car parking space. So there were some allocated spaces for the company that I worked for, and there was basically enough for spare passes for me to get a pass. But all of a sudden, it became an issue for me to have uh, a parking um, space. So, in other words, I would have needed to um, park my car on the street, and it's in in london it's very rare that you can find spaces to park during the day and in certain areas you'd be very restricted or you'd have to pay or some kind of other restrictions so it's not easy to do however um he did tell me that i could um he basically said he, he couldn't um give me a pass so um whatever, I, you know, I wasn't going to argue the toss, but I, you know, I noticed the change in demeanour and I was quite shocked by it actually. And then he, and he made an issue of it. Then I went in to see him for another matter and it was a proposal that I developed um, for a funding for the project that I was running and he had to review it as the director And I guess because he'd been so nasty to me about the parking, uh, the parking space that he was expecting for me to go into this meeting being really confrontational. And I just went in to do what I needed to do, which was to get this proposal through. And so when he first started speaking to me, he looked at the proposal and he was, you know, well, this isn't this isn't right. This doesn't say what it needs to say, whatever, because he wasn't actually reading it properly. And then as he progressed, he realized he actually started to pay attention to what I'd written and why I'd structured it the way I did. And all of a sudden it was, oh, oh, I see. Oh, this is really good. No, this this is excellent. Okay, no, it's fine. You can sign it off. And I said, okay, and that's the end of it. And he was he was I guess he was so surprised that I wasn't being confrontational with him that all of a sudden he asked me about my parking space. Um, What am I doing with my car? Where am I parking my car? So I said, I'm parking my car on the street. Um, He goes, oh, well, in that case, I'll um, uh, see if I can get you a space in our car park. And after that, he he decided to give me a space to the car park. And then I realised this man... Was actually expecting me not to park my car anywhere, or seemed to think that he, if he didn't give me a space to the, in the car park, that I wouldn't be able to drive my car. It was just quite bizarre. Um, and then eventually he did give me the space, and that was the end of that. But um, it was just so, you know, from being really accommodating to now I've actually passed my test, now I've got a car, and he wants to know what car I'm driving. And now I can't have a parking space. Um, absolutely. Well, I guess I guess I would have called him a suspected racist, but I guess he he confirmed that he was a racist at, at that point. Gus, I'll mute my line because I realized i I've been speaking for a while, and maybe other people want to um, uh, give a commentary.
1: Context of white supremacy, worldwide problem, uh, and. What Stacy shared right there, so consistent on so many levels, we've had <clears throat> a number of black people who can attest, maybe some that are listening right now, where white people's demeanor can change so suddenly, where they can be friendly, encouraging, helpful, flirty, whatever it is. Then all of a sudden, and without provocation, hostile, cold, aloof, uh, and just have you completely confused about exactly what is happening, and especially circumstances like what Stacy just mentioned, where it's some sort of test or something where you're gaining uh, competence. Uh, if it's like a job certification or something of that nature, uh, where you're working to get it, and then once you have it, like, uh-oh, totally different demeanor i think we had a guest on the program a few years back as a black male and it was some sort of certification for the job a little bit more than just you know being able to drive but the whites on the job totally supportive And, and in fact it was if you pass your test we'll pay for your training he passed it with flying colors as they say and then it was what pay for your test when did we say that Nigga, you're lying. We never said that. Pay for your own (laughs) test. Like, totally different change. No motivation and we want to promote. Totally different outlook. I've seen that consistently. I'm sure there are other uh, victims, black people, that can attest to that part uh, on the program. And then You come in, you don't have an attitude, you're not hostile and what have you. Like he's expecting like, yeah, I got her. She went through all that, got her car. Now she's not even going to be able to drive here. Like Yeah, she thinks she's going to come in here and get nasty and hostile and being calm. Cool. I've said that consistently, just being able to maintain your composure that will serve you well in the workplace and dealing with whites in general. This is something he could rectify easily. A part, like, are you kidding? We can't give you a parking pass now. You get this car, what have you. We can't allow We don't have a limited number of parking places. you have to park on the street or, you know, walk or whatever you're going to do. All of that. And it's, oh, you're parking on the street. Hmm. I guess we can get you a parking. He could have done that from the beginning. <laughs> like, Mr. Fuller, I think Mr. Fuller is, is the first and only person that I have heard say in all of the time that I've heard people talk about racism. White people could solve this problem right now. Starbucks is wasting time and lying. This does not require four hours of diversity training. They could solve this problem right now. Parking pass. Bam. If this is a housing issue, you don't have housing, bam, we could take care of that. No problem. They are not interested in that. They like practicing racism they like just mistreating black people like ah tricked her got her she thought she was gonna get that parking place no (laughs) they love that sort of thing that's what white supremacy racism is all about just lying particularly lying to lying to black people setting us up so that we have high expectations and think things are gonna go well for us and then just coming back and lying to us oh disappointed gotcha again oh well better luck next time worldwide see those patterns other folks that we've not heard at all if you have a hand up line should be open proceed
3: can i be heard yes ma'am hi um this is um drafter mania um guys how are you and guests? um i was calling to follow up with you in regards to um my uh workplace racism that i was going through with the uh the gentleman that was um that was outside of the building um, of the job, the guy that was just sitting out there waiting. And um, I got some good suggestions from you guys. I, I ended up reporting it um, to the supervisor on um, a that I think it was Sunday night when I went to work. And um, I re- I reported it um, like I was suggested to do. Um, and I, I thank you guys for the suggestion. And, um, I have not seen this guy again uh, since then, but um, she didn't report it to, I guess, to the supervisors until uh, that Monday night. But then what I noticed was on um, Tuesday night, I ended up, it seemed as if I was getting a whole lot of backlash, and my supervisor is a non-white supervisor. And she basically was like, cause i you know i'll call i'm I'm working at a call center right now, and all of our calls are screened and I got graded on uh, uh graded on uh, my calls last week. I got a ninety percent, which was good. I've just been trying to do what they've been telling me to do to improve, and that's thanks to the cows you know I've been trying to take suggestions that I've been hearing on this um program this program has been very useful." To me, because I've been applying what I've learned on this program, and and you know, in my um, on my job, so now like it seemed like as soon as after I told her about this, you know, incident, what she ended up doing, she came downstairs, uh, for the first two days, she came down to call call herself, watching me, make sure I was all right. Okay, I was like, I was grateful for that, or what have you so then like you were saying you just got finished explaining how white people uh, how they act out of um they're not provoked how one day everything is one way and they act like they're supportive of you and everything and then the next day without p- provocation or the next minute they'll act it's like they'll flip the script so like it was like the next day it was like she flipped the script on me. It was like, um, she, she everything was wrong with everything I did. Um, everything was wrong with all my calls. Everything, there it, it was, it was like a whole plethora of lists of everything that was wrong with me. And so, you know, we had like, I, I, I got really, uh, I got a little upset. But I didn't, you know. I still stay codified. I just basically was asking questions. I stayed in the question lane. I was like, "Well, what is it that I'm doing?" And you, you know, she was just being very, uh, very critical and very negative. So basically, what I ended up doing, I walked away. I ended up going to the ladies room, and then when I came back, I basically I just told her, "I said, listen, you know what? Um, I really don't need you to walk me out anymore. If um." if i should see this gentleman at um in front of the building or anywhere what i will do is i will call the police well she was saying that well you know you don't have to do that you know what you should do is call um let us know about it and um we'll definitely, we'll you know we'll see if this guy works here and i said well you know um i am going to do what i feel like i need to do and i said and just like i came and i told you about this incident i i you know um I will let you know just like I told you, I didn't need you for you to tell me to let you know about what happened with this guy being out here. I said, I'm just gonna let you know. Um, you know, I will let you know what happened. I said, and if I feel like my, my safety is being threatened, I will definitely just call the cops and ask that. And you know, i don't know it, was, it just seemed kind of strange like you know she just you know, it was just like she just flipped the script and gave me kind of like attitude but you know in in any event i still did what i needed to do but i just felt like i was being um there was some backlash based on what i did and i don't know what that's about and i don't need my line that's all i have hmm
1: Do you uh, do you feel like it was uh, a mistake? Like, do you feel like uh, you should maybe not have reported or like you did something incorrect in reporting this to the folks at work?
3: You know what? I I you know, the way that she attacked me on that Tuesday night, it was like I feel like something was up with that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. Um, because last night when I went to work, she, you know, it was another whole 360 degree flip. It it, it gives me like some type of feeling like they must know something that's going on or like, you know, they don't, they don't want you to report certain things to them. And, um, I don't know if it was a mistake or not. I really can't say if it was a mistake or not because like you said at least I'll have a record of it you know what I mean and like you know it, at least it will be on record if something has happened and she was saying well you know we don't really know if this person works here or not I said well listen well you, we can clear all that up right now you know I said we, we can clear it up I said because I have pictures I said so all you would have, simply have to do is just run a license plate to see and then it was like, oh, well, now, you know, it was then, you know, that kind of shut her down. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, I mean, it's real evident that, you know, she's, you know, she's only doing what, you know, um, you know, um, the white people are telling her to do. Master's telling her to do because she's the same one that um, texted me at home, um, you know, when I was off hours about that guy I was telling you you guys about, about maybe um, trying to get me to snitch on the guys that um, they ended up firing. She, you know, this was a whole after-hours thing. Uh, I was listening to some of your um broadcasts before, and it's like when I'm not at work, we could have handled wh- whatever questions that you had to ask me. You could have did that at work. Why are you texting me on my off hours about an incident that happened with somebody that's no longer working here? So it just seems as if that she's the, um you know, she's just basically doing, she's their gopher. And she's going to do whatever she has to do, basically, to keep a job or what have you. And she's the one that they end up sending when they need something done. And she's been the one they've been using, especially to come at me. So I don't know. I, I Like I said, I don't know what's going on. like, it just seems to be kind of, it's, it just doesn't seem to be um, right to me. Hmm. So well. I don't really know if I made a mistake or not.
1: Uh, Stacey in the UK.
16: Yeah, sorry, I was just going to ask because it did, in, in terms of uh, this matter, because I did wonder last week if the person who was spying on you was some kind of investigator employed by your employers to spy on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had forgotten about them asking you to. Um, do the affidavit or whatever they're going to call it about them firing the other worker and asking you to give evidence in inverted commas. Um, I don't know whether the two are connected, but it, it all seems very suspicious. Um, and perhaps, and I'm not suggesting that you should have done that, perhaps if you had called the police, um that might have highlighted whether or not it was some kind of uh, private investigator hired by your company to spy on you or whatever they're up to. But it is a very strange reaction. Um, but either way, if you're afraid for your safety, I would say that's paramount to whatever your employer thinks, good, bad or indifferent. I'll meet my line. Mm,
1: thank you, Stacy. I agree. I think uh personal safety should trump uh all of that, and uh whether the person works there or not uh I'm not sure I don't know why if the person works there, if they're waiting to go in for a shift or on a break or whatever, why they would be out just staring, glaring at you specifically, even if they are an employee, and if they're an employee. That's even better because then we can identify the person and go talk to them directly about this behavior and let yeah. them know that this is making a fellow employee uncomfortable. Maybe you can cut that out uh, and we can identify, right. you know, move through the process. That's what it would be if the person works here. Not, you know, maybe as an employee, we don't need to do anything um, that all this. Then I I know you did not call the police. You said uh, you just told her that you would if it happened again or if you didn't feel safe. It's been uh, I think we've heard before where uh, black people on a job where they've been like insult uh, assaulted or threatened, harmed in some way where they do not feel physically safe. Uh, where they've uh, called enforcement officials. And I think the pattern we've seen is that whites really do not like that, even if it's a situation where the police should be called. Uh, they really prefer to handle things on their own and we do not we're not interested in having uh someone come in here and tell us what to do on our plantation this is our house these are our niggers especially we do not want our niggers uh calling you know some other authority figure in to tell us what to do like they really uh do not like that sort of thing so i don't know if that contributed to what you were feeling in terms of some sort of retaliation for your report or what have you? But I would, uh, I would just continue to to put your personal safety uh, as the top priority. Uh, I would have the recorder ready. Uh, I would be real vigilant when you are leaving, coming to work, uh, being really, really mindful. If you need an escort, ask for it. I would call the police without uh, mm-hmm. hesitation, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think the what's happening with the non-white, yikes, the non-white female who is, I guess, working. Uh, being used by race soldiers mm-hmm. on the job. Kind of the same thing that I said before about, you know, the, when we speak, we're always speaking as though everybody at the company is going to hear what we have to say. That's probably, or that's not probably, that is the way I would deal with that situation. i probably speak to her exactly as though I'm talking to racists with my strategy mm-hmm. uh, and just thinking I don't have any secrets. I already know that directly and really working to make sure I'm not getting frustrated with her directly, if that makes
3: sense. Right. Uh, Yes. And because, I mean, I did get a little frustrated with it, but like you said, I, you know, it, you know, the codification is kicking in, like she's just being used and, you know, I just don't feel comfortable. I feel like she doesn't have my best interest in mind. So like, don't be phony and act like you're, you know, there to watch my back when I know that you're really just being sent by them for their own best interest. And I agree with um Sarah. It could be um somebody that they sent. You never know. So you
17: know Stacy.
1: Yes. <laughs> I
17: agree. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree completely. I, and also I think that's a great tip, uh, when you said you were feeling a little upset. Rightly so, I'd be frustrated with all this too. Uh highly frustrated. I mean this, you know, is a dangerous situation in my view. Uh and you said you kinda took some space to go to the bathroom excellent veteran Mm. counter-racist move for anybody in the workplace if you feel like for whatever reason it it might not even be necessarily that they did or said anything uh that extreme or that abusive it might just be that you're already frustrated or it's just a day where you don't have as much patience as you normally would uh recognize that and if you feel yourself getting upset frustrated like you hear your voice going up louder than you would you know normally talk or if you're breathing a little faster than you normally would step away you know uh, i need a moment let me uh use the restroom really quick and i'll be right back uh most work environments that's tolerated you could take a, a quick break if you need to step outside uh hopefully we don't have any smokers but you can lie i need to go outside and get my nicotine fix really quick i'll be right back just get a break where you can breathe yeah. collect your thoughts think i think we've had some listeners they just you can chant dr welsing dr francis crest welsing doctors try and channel some of <laughs> her patients and calm so that you can get your logic together get your thoughts together uh, you can have your own little routine to kind of go through you can do some deep breathing exercises to just kind of calm relax reset assess the situation and How am I going to solve this situation? How am I going to respond to this situation without creating new problems? What is in my best interest and how I'm going to respond moving forward? I think that's veteran counter-racist move. Uh, Other suggestions with this situation? Uh, Draftomania feeling like she's being retaliated against for reporting that this white stalker, uh, suspected uh, employee of the company, maybe, we don't know, uh, Was out stalking her, and and how the folks on her job have responded. Any other suggestions for how she can move forward?
17: May I add a comment, please? Yes, ma'am. Yes, um, for Jobtomania, um, uh, I am heartily sorry that you're you're going through the unnecessary stresses. Um, at your workplace. And I completely concur with Stacey and Gus uh, in terms of, you know, continuing um, and being vigilant in in reporting and keeping yourself safe um, and reporting to the appropriate authorities. because the more documentation that you have, the more of a case you have to build. And in addition to that, your employer... Um, also has a duty to maintain your safety as well. So um, what I find with, um, with employers, uh, uh, being that they're white uh, uh, for the most part, they don't want to uh, take accountability for keeping their employees safe. Um, and the fact that you're calling in the authorities, making it known, It's now putting the onus on them to make sure that you're safe because if they don't keep your your safety as priority, then you can also sue them for liability um, uh, in that. So continue building your case because that is effectively what you're doing um, while at the same time uh, remembering um, the importance of self-care um and and making sure that you know you have time for yourself as well, so I hope that's helpful too. Mm, thank you.
1: Much obliged for those suggestions. uh we have uh any other counter racist uh thoughts suggestions uh for a draft mania situation.
0: Can I be heard? <clears throat>
1: Yes, ma'am. Tactical pin. Tactical pen might be good to have as well. Uh, software developer in Wisconsin.
0: Um, thank you. I was just listening and um, I I think Raptomania said something about um, that the, her supervisor was a non-white female. Um, so I think it's very important to make sure that you you minimize conflict with her. Um, I know that you said that you knew already that uh, the suspected racists at your job were using her as a tool against you. Um, I'll wait, or you didn't say it in that way, but um, I would just hold on to that because I know at at times we can get very frustrated with each other and we can forget um, that the black person or the non-white person is not the enemy uh, so, I would just hold on to that so that uh, she, you and her can have the best possible relationship despite all of this. I think that once uh, you, have, I think once that uh, the suspected races find out or figure out that you're not being provoked by this person, and that's the reason why she's being used, is so that she can provoke you and it looks like two non white people fighting or arguing rather than this is all being orchestrated by the suspected racist once they see that that's not effective. I think that they'll back off of that. That's usually what happens and they might try something else. Um, but just, just maintaining the best possible relationship with that person. I think is, is also very important. Um, and I'll mm-hmm. meet my line. Thanks.
10: Mm-hmm.
1: Context of white supremacy. Any other suggestions? Traptomania situation? Do not minimize those safety. Hello, be- oh, yes, ma'am.
17: Um, well, thank you.
4: Uh, thank you for allowing me to share. Um, this is Red in Nevada. Um, I guess they agree with what the last caller said, the software developer in um, Wisconsin, especially when it comes to conflict between um, non-white people. Um, I know I explained before with my situation how um, the white people, they like to try to um, – or I guess um, provoke conflict between me and another non-white person. And I know it was definitely entertainment for them. And that's something that I kind of got a little bit more of this week, but I, I can definitely agree. I, I feel like even if you don't really like the non-white person, I kind of feel that it's it's still better to not, it's either you, you basically have to choose between entertaining these suspected racist, or you know kind of fighting with the with a non-white person and I kind of feel mm-hmm. like entertaining the that the suspected racist is a lot worse than fighting with a non-white person because I also feel like when I'm dealing with any non-white people that I maybe not like at the end of the day they're not the ones who can truly affect our outcome as bad as these racists so mm-hmm. and they they might use them as like you know, pawns to, to affect us. But at the end of the day, it's actually the racists who are actually, who are the ones who are oppressing us, not the non-white people that they're making to go do these things. So um, I just wanted to add that. And then I guess I'll wait to um, share my little bit of commentary. Thank you. I'll meet my line.
1: Appreciate that red in Nevada. uh, Great points. Uh, Any other suggestions? Mm -hmm. Drop the mania.
17: So, sorry, may I add one more suggestion?
1: Let's hear it. Um, uh,
17: Another thing um, that came across my mind, too, is... uh, Well, let me ask you the question. Um, Draftamania, uh, have you taken any self-defense courses, um, things of that nature, or or do you... Can you find time in your schedule to take self-defense courses that will help empower you as well um, um that's probably one of the suggestions that
1: i would have as well
3: okay uh, can i um can i uh, answer the question Chris? yes ma'am okay um yes i have um yeah i um have um been in you know taking self-defense classes you know um uh, have, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, growing up where I've had to defend myself all my life. So I really don't have an issue with that. Um, you know, the thing is, is just not allowing myself to put, put be put into a situation where, uh, you know, you're provoked where you're end up, you know, you have to end up, um, being the one that's reprimanded and, you know, um, going to jail or prison because you did defend yourself because I've been in situations like that too where I've been um, attacked and then when I, you know, um, defend myself, then, you know, it can, you know, that can go both ways. So, but, um, yeah, I have absolutely no issue with um, defending myself.
1: (laughs) Did that satisfy your question, B?
17: Yes. Yes, it does. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Dr. Mania, for answering as well. No problem, and thank you for your suggestion. Context of white supremacy, again, for listeners. uh, Any of the safety situations in the work, especially with all the incidents that have happened over the last, you know, five to ten years, different shootings and such uh, in the workplace, and it seems increasingly so the past five years or so, I would take all that very, very serious uh, in the workplace, uh, especially if it's something with... Uh, someone classified as white, like anything where you feel uncomfortable or they're, you know, giving you dirty looks or seeming like they're stalking you uh, in any way, shape, form. Take that extremely serious, regardless of what anybody else uh, has to say. If they think, you know, tell you you're being paranoid and, you know, he's probably just a choir boy or anything like that. Take it seriously. Mm. Uh, folks we've not heard from at all. I know I think Red said she had commentary. If uh, Red or any of the other folks that you have not shared, if you have commentary, feel free. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um,
17: so
4: the commentary that I have uh, this week, it's I guess it's not as, as bad as like uh, previous weeks, um, just still making sure to uh, definitely us uh, constantly self-correct, try to make sure I'm meeting the standards for the job because my supervisor still always seems to be out sick or um, just not be at work. And I find it very uh, interesting how um, we basically, uh, the supervisor that I have, we basically started at this plantation around the same time and the supervisor is a white woman. But it seems like almost every week she is off for some reason. Um, This week, she was, I think she was supposed to um, be off for like the majority of the week and come into work today or start coming into work today. But then we got a message saying that she was out sick. I'm like, she's now kind of seems like she's out sick more than she's there. And it just so happened, um, once again, one of the days that she was out, I was supposed to have a review of her, but at at this point it's like, I I really can't learn anything from her because she's not there. So just making sure to constantly, or, you know, whenever I get some spare time to just review um, the policies and procedures that they have, um, or like basically how to do the job. And then, um, if there are any memos that come out, just making sure to stay uh, up to date with that, which is definitely something that, um, I don't know. I know that we, we talk about, um, just reading like the policies and procedures as far as what um, what the guidelines are for the job, like dealing with other people or what have you. But also just maybe even dealing doing the job itself. And I know that that's something that is is helping me. And I can see there's other people around me who you know are needing help and not really paying attention to all the emails or whatever what, what have you is being sent out. So it definitely suggests. Um, just trying to stay up with that. Even if you get like a spare moment, sometimes like right before I um, come back in to start working after break, I might just take a quick look at some of the memos um, just to make sure that um, I'm still doing the job correctly because it it, it wouldn't, it would not surprise me if, you know, the whites, the, the upper management say, well, you know what, you, you weren't doing your job right. We sent you out the email saying that, you know, this, this procedure had changed and, you know, doesn't matter if you're busy or not, we gave you the information. So um, I'm just trying to make sure I do that. And then I recently, whites like recently moved where I was um, performing my, my job. So I'm around more uh, black females and I feel like I'm having to work harder to stay on code because um They definitely remind me of some of my family members, you know, just like, you know, just joking and everything. And no one's like, you know, fighting or arguing or anything like that. And I just realized today that since I sometimes I I maybe will make a comment or something like that, or they might include me in like a little bit of their conversation, not all the time, but sometimes they will. And I noticed that the one racist who still refuses to get my name right, um, she's, she's just now starting to try to speak to me again. And so I feel like maybe, I don't know if I'm being set up to where it's like, okay, well, when you are around more white people, you, you were, you weren't really talking. Now, before I was around some non-white, one non-white person, one person who may be classified as white, but doesn't speak, uh, or I'm sorry, they do speak English, but English might not be their first language. And, um, but I wasn't really as talkative as I am around these uh, mainly uh, black females. But the the racist, she's starting to try to um, open up more conversations with me, not saying my name, but just kind of just looking at me and kind of um, saying good morning or whatever. So I'm definitely uh, trying to work on that. But for the most part, that's I guess that's all I um, have this week, just trying to make sure if any anyone else is just like, you know, just kind of being mindful that maybe – you know, they do races. They, they have the, you know, these uh, long end games. So for me, maybe it's, you know, it's it's good for the short term because it's making the job not as miserable, but it's also kind of giving these racists this false impression that I really am truly a friendly person. So I'll mute my line. Thank you for allowing me to share.
1: Appreciate that red in Nevada. Very important to keep that in mind. Racist. I think we, Talked about that on the program frequently over the years. uh, That they will have, you know, 500 year plans, 100 year plans, 10 year plans uh, in terms of, you know, what they're looking to do, what they're looking to get accomplished, uh, white supremacy, racism. Uh, So even day to day things that are happening with us, they're doing these things sometimes with a very long perspective uh, in terms of what I am doing today last day of may 2018 uh, i have eyes towards what's going to be happening in july of 2020 uh and you negroes are an integral part of that they have to have a part of their plan frequently so i think it's important to keep that in mind on the job uh at all times white people do experiments man we were talking about that uh earlier in the broadcast the caller dialed in and, and was talking about experiments in the workplace and just seeing how people respond to certain ma'am, and, and Whites, they are the queens and kings of doing experiments in the system of white supremacy uh, all the time, just to see how people react and respond in certain situations. Just really be mindful uh, of that while we're going about uh, our day, what have you, especially around whites in the workplace. Uh, especially uh, with whites that have shown any evidence of practicing racism. You already know that you have some folks that are way beyond being a suspect at this point. In fact, I call in Florida. I totally forgot. We said the white woman, she was wearing the same clothes every day when she went to work just to see if people got a response. That's the type of mentality uh, that we're dealing with. I'm not saying that's every single white person, but Uh, Do not think that that is an isolated incident. Uh, They do things like that on the job and beyond the job just to see how we are going to respond. So, yeah, be mindful of that. Same thing I said before, even if they've moved your uh, desk or area and you're around a lot of black people, I would make sure that whatever I say to them, I am comfortable saying to every single person in the company for the next like 20 years having a total transcript of every laugh pause that I uh, articulate uh, even as I'm talking with my chums over here uh, just think that's a, a very solid code uh, to have and that has kept me out of trouble many many times uh, as I have been talking about racism whites and sometimes choosing not to talk about racism white supremacy uh, other folks we've not heard from at all, number again, 641-715-3640. The code five six four pounds Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, are there folks we've missed? Yep. Oh, yep, yep. Oh, can I share? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, how are you doing? Um
10: yeah, I want to um, add to the reference thing because I am i call in every once in a while I'm the background investigator. A lot of, um, especially for victims of racism, you guys have to have, make sure your references are on point because when we do background investigations with people, a lot of times victims will have perfect backgrounds as far as drugs and all that stuff, but when it comes to their job references, that's what ends up getting them, not getting the job with, with my department because of references that they choose to use. Um, so I want to add that to it, but then I also want to sh- story that I have for you guys. Um, cause I'm back on investigate. I do a lot of training with law enforcement officials, which is scary. Um, so I went to a training where they taught us how to gauge people's body language to tell their truth telling styles. Kind of like you Gus, when, when you have white people on the show and white women start giggling when they're answering questions. So they, they tell us how to read all this stuff. So in this training, we were, um, they they brought up some videos, and they wanted us to look at people's truth telling style. And one of the it was interesting because one of the the videos they showed was of Cotton. I can't remember his first name, but um, you did a book review on him. So, as we were reading his, um, looking at him, doing his looking, you know, looking at his truth telling styles, and everyone was supposed to choose if he's telling the truth or not. And everyone agreed that he didn't commit the rape. You know, and at the end of it, the instructor, white male put up the title of the book with the book cover and the classroom was like probably like 10 victims and the other 15 people were white or non-white, non-black law enforcement officials. And they put up, he put up the cover of the book and the book picking cotton. And then almost everyone in the class, non um, except for the black people started laughing like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe they'll title the book like that. So it was kind of interesting to see that and watch the other black law enforcement officials how they responded
1: to it which is interesting and that's all i want to share wow that is a cowbell i was snickering i was too distracted to do my job at that cowbell cowbell um I read Picking Cotton. I uh, talked about that book. I think Dr. Uh, Tommy Curry was the first person to mention that book on the program. We did not do that book in the book club, so you will not find the book in the archives, but it has been mentioned repeatedly uh, where I've talked about it. Dr. Curry's talked about it. I think some other people brought it up with uh, this black, <coughs> excuse me, black male in North Carolina uh, is falsely convicted. Uh, I think he was incarcerated for about 11 years it's been a while since i've read uh the book but i think it's about 11. it was more than 10 years uh he was uh in greater confinement uh he got a settlement D- he was uh, exonerated from dna that he did not do this even though uh the white woman uh falsely identified him and said oh yeah that's him definitely that's the nigger that did it and then no and then then she had the audacity after she falsely con- uh, identified him after he served 11 years unjustly. And they didn't just put him in greater confinement. Like, he got put in greater confinement and, like, shipped out of the state away from his family. Like, they included an anecdote in the book where his family was coming to visit him in Tennessee from North Carolina. It was like a six hour drive or something absurd. And they didn't have, like, super resources. So they're not, like, in a, a fancy. Uh, limo stretch bus or anything as they're doing the six hour drive they go all the way there for and this is for a Christmas holiday quote unquote they go all the way there they get there and the uh, the guards the wardens the whites they say Mr. Cotton is not being allowed visitors today sorry they have to drive back home six hours no visit Matthew Cotton, and he wrote, he co-authored the book with the white racist, amazing bit of literature in the annals of white supremacy racism. But yeah, and we talked about the title of that book being Picking Cotton, uh, an allusion to him being picked incorrectly and the system of white supremacy racism for a title for a book like that, which I'm not surprised that they found funny. And you did say these were law enforcement officials. They found correct, correct. Mm. Correct. Mm. Oh, can I add one more thing too? Let's hear it. Oh, okay. Um,
10: and also, when I'm in these trainings, um, a lot of us investigators are getting recruited to work for private industry to um, do backgrounds on quote unquote like civilian jobs. So, like, and I'm I'm here in I'm California, so they um a company called Keck, a corporation out of Florida, I believe, was at one of our trainings, and he's not in law enforcement at all, but he's moving his corporation to. L.A. specifically because he said that there's a need for background investigations. So, a lot of jobs, especially in L.A., how it's um, not regentrifying. What is the um, racial dislocation? Since there's a lot of racial dislocation going on in L.A. right now, they want a lot of um, as background investigators to do civilian work and do backgrounds on people trying to get jobs. So, that's another thing. That's another thing that I'm noticing too. To make you know jobs harder for predict.
1: I see. We talked. Dr. Welsing talked about that with the with the drug use, just whites having different things that they would do to manipulate to make getting jobs uh more challenging for black people and having more of those more uh I guess invasive background checks and what have you. Appreciate that about the workplace references. I hope people will listen to that and be more selective. Wouldn't surprise me either if whites are being deceptive in that too. Uh, If perhaps they're making it seem that they would do something, write a quality uh, resume and then they're not doing it. But really, I guess, make sure you do your diligence with the people that you pick to write uh, a reference for you uh, to make sure that you're getting uh, the best possible result. And if you're consistently not getting the results that you want, Maybe that means you should pick new references or new people to write references for you. Uh, But that definitely appreciate that. If that's the pattern that you're seeing, that a lot of black people are missing out on jobs because of the references that they're getting. Uh, We have any other folks that we missed completely? Any folks who dialed in with a hand up that we have not heard from at all?
18: Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Greetings, everyone. Um, I wanted to ask the caller who just spoke aside from the typical nonverbals that you could read from someone, maybe them looking down or not making eye contact, like the typical ones, was there anything in that training that you learned that would be helpful for me or other non white victims in order to gauge whether or not someone is being? Um, dishonest, and then I have my own thing. But I was that piqued my interest when I heard you say that you went to a training.
1: Can I answer? Oh, let's hear it.
10: Okay. Um, yeah, there are certain things. Um, some of the stuff Gus um, pinpointed already, like the giggling stuff. But a lot of a lot of times, you have to have know some truth about the person before, you, so you can know their truth telling style. So. If you know their name and where they're, you know, where they work and where they grew up, you can start talking to them and just watching their response to your answers. Like the micro movement of their face. Cause a lot of times someone's lying to you. They might be telling you, no, I didn't do it, but their chin might be moving where they're going. Yes, a little bit. It's like little minute, little minute things that you won't pick up on unless you are really keen on them. Type of thing, and especially for as victims. We, you know, we didn't keen because I've been an investigator for a while and I never picked up on the one that giggling at all until so Gus started mentioning it. Then I started paying attention more. I'm like, wait up, He's, this white lady's giggling when she's telling me something. So it's like little minute things. Or if you're asking them a question and then their shoulder, when you're talking to them normally and they're giving you correct answers and their shoulder doesn't move, but they might twitch their shoulder a little bit. And you're like, hmm, I have something there. So then you have to start pinpointing stuff and start, you know, going a little bit deeper into it to see if they keep making the same response with that. When you when you know you have a when you know they're lying to you type of thing so it takes it takes a while you have to like interview someone for like an hour or so to get get to that point thank did that gonna help very
18: much for that. absolutely it really did um so thank you and thank you thank you yep. guys for letting me ask him the question and thank you very much for responding um, which brings me I think a nice segue into my antidote. Um, cause I'm, I am a huge proponent of understanding and studying nonverbal communication, um, period. Like YouTube has many resources. Um, I don't think, I mean, maybe books might be helpful, but I didn't read any books. Um, it in part started because I used to work with individuals, um, who are intellectually or developmentally disabled. And so, um, being able to read nonverbals is very important, you know, before someone had a behavior or whatnot, but then it, you know, is helpful in everyday life. So um, I, my code is not strict. Um, My code is very fluid. I'm still, some parts of my code have been um, solidified. Like this code I know works for me through and through and other parts I'm still working on. And some parts I'm, re-evaluating and experimenting with just because I didn't necessarily want to stop right there. It served a purpose, but I wanted it to manifest or grow or change, metamorphosize, I suppose, uh, into something else and just see what happens. So I still play with things. So this particular code that I decided to experiment with was engaging in a conversation beyond what is, absolutely strictly about my job at the moment. Um and so I worked with in this particular farm is he's the one that is classified as white, classifies himself as white. White people don't necessarily deal with him like he's white because they always ask him where he's from, but I think he still passes as white and functions as white. So I treat him as white, he's white. Um in my mind. Like that's that code is not changed with him quite yet. Um, so I get in to the pharmacy and we're slow only until the order gets in. Tuesday was a very interesting day um, at my job. So I began a conversation with him, like more of a philosophical conversation with him. Um I tend to think about things, ruminate on them, some might say obsessed, but whatever, just because, you know, I'm never satisfied with some basic simple answer. So and he's like this, like he's super Christian, religious, whatever. Um, and, you know, VGQ for him, if he is maybe non-white and just everybody's confused and using him, I don't know, but you know, to each his own. So I engaged him in this philosophical conversation because I wanted to, um, see how far he took it in what all he would say. Not necessarily so much like I was seeking, um, any information beyond that, just because he likes to talk. Um, and so if you get him talking, he'll talk for a very long time. So I started realizing that and I was like, Hmm, this is a great opportunity for me to practice questioning, asking questions, um, diverting him away from asking me questions, uh, because he was, he caught me one time where it was like, he was asking me questions and I was like, man, I got to get better at flipping this. Um, and he's a pseudo white person, white person, whatever that I felt comfortable asking questions especially in person until I get better at doing it. So I practice with him, experimenting with him to get to the point. So we're engaging in this pseudo deep philosophical conversation. Everything is fine. Um, he never gets an opportunity to ask me questions. So I was like, yes, I ask all the questions. So I was like, yes. And he revealed a lot of information, none of which I think you all would like really care to hear about right now. But um I enjoyed it. I was like, hmm, something to look into, something to consider, things like that, more things for me to ruminate on. So I was like, yes. Then this plump, racist white man walks to the registers, and I have to stop my conversation that I'm having fun with and go deal with this person who has his arms stretched out and it's all like a rash. I just look at it and it looks like a rash. And I was like, oh, (laughs) ew. Anyway. So he was like, I need to speak to the pharmacist. And I was like, you definitely do. So I get the pharmacist form and this guy's really loud, really obnoxious, really pretentious and everything. So I go back to inputting prescriptions or whatever it was I needed to do. And he's like, I don't know what it is. It's just something that keeps biting me and blah, 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 blah. And then he, but then he segues into how much he hates doctors and MDs and physicians are the stupidest people I've ever met. And I don't want to go to a a doctor. I'd rather deal with the druggist like you because y'all are way more, you know, intelligent and all this other nonsense because he was putting bleach on his skin and all this other stuff. And the pharmacist was like, well, look. You kind of need to figure out what's going on with you, so you need to see a doctor. And that's how he got into all of that. So this kind of set up the entire tone for, like, the next 15 minutes almost. And, of course, I was like, ooh, you know, who really? Really? Okay. So... All of a sudden, someone pulls into the drive-thru. They continue talking, and now the conversation has, you know, the pharmacist has made his recommendation of getting Benadryl to stop the itching, but really the CMD to figure out what's going on. Me over here have already concluded that she either have ticks, fleas, or bed bugs. Anyone can look at that and tell. But you want to sit here and act like it's some mysterious rash. You're probably really living in an infected house. I don't want to say you're dirty because some people have bedbugs. doesn't mean you're dirty. Just You know what I'm saying? But still. Um... But, you know, whatever. Like, no one knows anything. You're, anyway, so I went to the drive-thru, and I'm helping this person. And the conversation is going, because he goes, so where are you from? And then the pharmacist is like, he's from Egypt, and he does this whole thing, you know, with the pharaohs and blah, blah, blah. But I consider him an invader. He is not the original Egyptian or com- commision. So then it goes, oh, well, I've been to different parts of the world, like Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and whatever. And then he starts talking about the groups of people he met along the way. I was so interested. So I'm sitting there just listening, like, "Mm, this is such a counter-racist day for me. I'm about to get an A+. So I'm listening, and he really starts to pinpoint these differences in the people. Let me pull up my notes to make sure I don't forget anything. Give me two seconds. And um, Okay, yeah. So then I don't remember exactly which Middle Eastern group um, But the guy says people consider him as American, but he's not American. He's like Irish and part Ashkenazi, Ashkenazi or whatever. If I'm, saying, I know I messed that up. Anyway, guys, Jew, and he's like, well, thank God for that because at least I have, you know, a brain and da 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 da. And he's really going in. Mind you, he's talking to a so-called Middle Easterner about other so-called Middle Easterners and talking really badly about them, like they're dirty, they're this or that, they're that. Then he's talking, I think, about the Palestinians. I don't recall exactly, but I'm sitting there at the drive-thru, and the registers are very close to so the drive-thru, and then a couple of steps, and then the front register where the pharmacist and this racist with the bedbugs are talking. And he says, yeah, the Palestinians are so stupid. They make African-Americans look smart. And I literally had, like, things in my hand, and I was like, I just turned around. Not with a surprised face, not angry, but I just wanted to look into the eyes of the individual who really just said that, mind you, I had helped him. I'm not the pharmacist dealing with him, but I had helped this person, so he clearly knows I'm here. He sees me. I'm clearly, yeah, like, there's nothing light about me. You know You know what I'm saying? And I just looked, and the way he looked at me, it was like, yeah, nigga winch, I said it, and I'll say it again all day long, all up and through here yeah, and I was just so fascinated. I wanted to make sure that I like recorded everything I could about his nonverbals, his stance, the look in his eyes, like everything, and his face, so I don't forget cause sometimes I might forget a face, but I just wanted to record that. So then I went back to finish doing what I'm doing, and you know, I let it sink in, and then the pharmacist comes back and tries to like assuage the you know situation thinking that I'm having some emotional reaction. I am, in fact, not having an emotional interact or reaction to this entire situation. So I completely allow him to say his bumbling, you know, sentences and words to make himself feel better because he himself, you know, I, mean, I don't know if Middle Easterners really have like a collusion effect where they resonate as being, you know, or aggregate as being Middle Easterner or whatever, but so-called, I don't know, but maybe he was having his thing, but then he wanted to see, he was like, yeah, that guy's a racist, he always comes, and da-da-da-da-da, but then he said something so interesting, he looked at me and he said, yeah, they don't teach us how to deal with racism, and I was just like, or no, he said, they don't train us how to deal with racism, and I just thought, man, too bad you're white, otherwise I would tell you about Mr. Fuller. Oh, well, and I went back to doing my work, made my notes, and was like, yeah, I'm going to tell you guys about that. Let's see. Let me make sure I didn't forget anything important. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah, this is one that, okay. I'm in healthcare. So, you know, it's not so much that I want to help white people. I don't. Um, And if it wasn't for Mr. Fuller, making it clear that mistreatment is wrong all across the board, I can't really say that I would hold that opinion. Um, I don't go out of my way, I've made that very clear, but there was this white woman who needed her vitamins or whatever, so I had to grab some over the counter, because people had already pulled them for her to put it through the drive-through, but she needed something extra, and then I saw there was a deal, and I just wanted to confess that I almost didn't give her the deal, I was like, well, she, she, whatever, she just going to get this one bottle, but it was buy one, get one, and I was like, well, would you do that if the person was non-white? And I said, no. And then I heard Mr. Fuller, you know, mistreatment and justice and all that jazz he's talking. And so I grabbed the two bottles because I felt like, you know, justice is justice no matter what. And no one should be mistreated. But I just didn't want to. So I guess that might be part of the code now. Like, and I'm working on it, especially because I expect to continue to grow in the whole medical profession and whatnot. And I'm really, you know, my ideal is to not have to help white people at all as in they're not in my practice or anywhere that I'm helping people. But if they should be, um, I think now is a good time to develop the code that mistreatment is incorrect no matter who the person is. Um, Doesn't mean I'm going above and beyond. But anyway, that's a code that's still malleable. I'm going to work with that one. So anyway, I thank you all for listening.
1: Context of white supremacy. Appreciate that, Emmy the Great, working on our workplace code, or just codes, period, workplace certainly, but codification in general, very important Uh Nailing down what we want to do, what we want to say in specific instances so we don't always have to be thinking and responding on the spot impromptu, as they say, and even making adjustments. If you try some things out, I've done this a few times. I didn't get the result that I wanted. I'm going to change this up. That is allowed. uh, Encouraged, really, uh, with counter-racist codification. Glad you were able to get input. That's what you can do. You can do those sort of things if you're in a situation on the job where you have someone who's classified as white or wants to be, hopes to be classified as white, and they want to talk uh, one day. You can allow them to talk if you are in control of your emotions, regardless of what they have to say, what their opinion is on Negros. you can allow them to talk if you want to ask questions, if you just want to record. Uh, you have freedom. You have a lot more options in terms of, you know, how you can uh, deal with someone if they're just saying things in your work environment, if they want to share their honest thoughts about Negras, non-white people. Just make sure you have your emotions in check and, and you can have a lot of fun even uh, in the workplace and do some counter racism, get some questions together that you'd like to ask if you think the person is, is just willing to be an open book for the day and tell you what you'd like to know and give you their views on what the plantation system is and, and how it runs. Uh, folks, actually, before I get to folks we haven't heard, we had a person uh, who wrote in. She said, uh, what do you do? When your workplace does not have a code of conduct or any rules on bullying, sexual harassment, racial harassment, my HR boss always blew me off whenever I would ask about workplace issues. But the moment I asked for a code of conduct book or for any handbook on sexual harassment, or racial harassment she didn't respond to my email instead she took me to the conference room to talk about the issues I'm having the issues I'm having and who is causing the problem I went to the room and kept asking for the handbook on sexual harassment racial issues she kept trying to interrogate me and I just responded with where is the handbook they clearly didn't have a handbook But after the little interrogation, a company-wide email was immediately sent about racial and sexual harassment. I saved that email and am building a case against my company for the hostile environment. Doesn't get any better than tacky. If they don't have a handbook, they could just say that or you could even ask, do they have a handbook? policy and procedure manual that deals with these issues. Yes or no? (laughs) Like if they don't, then that would be good to know as well. And see, as long as they don't give you a handbook, like these are our rules for what is permissible. What we uh, say is going to be correct decorum in our workplace. And these are the consequences. These are, uh, this is the protocol for how we deal. If we think there is a breach of our policy and procedure Uh, with regards to sexual misconduct or whatever it is. This is what's supposed to happen. These are the steps every time when they don't do that, when it's not spelled out. What's my one of the words that I talk about regularly? discretion we can do whatever we want uh when these situations come up if we don't want to do anything uh, or if we just want to fire someone we want to have an investigation we can handle it however any kind of way there's no precedent and there is no explicitly stated policy on how we deal with these issues that is always in favor of racist man racist woman racist child and they know that that's why they you know just try to keep pushing you back to oh well you know what? What? Just tell us what happened. What's the problem? Who? Who said something to you? And Mr. Fuller has talked about that going in and dealing with it from uh, a more juvenile perspective. Like, oh, such and such called me a name and hurt my. That's not what we're talking about at all. This is a violation of policy four dash eight, and you know, suggested for how we can remedy this situation immediately. That's the way that you want to be dealing with these. Somebody is subverting company policy and procedure. Not. I'm sad because Bill said I looked funny or called me a name. That's not, you know, the way we want to go in. But anyway, folks have suggestions uh, on environment. I think you did great just going in and asking consistently uh, and then saving the email that they uh, sent out. Uh, And I would even ask directly, do you all, does this company have a policy specifically addressing that? If they don't, that's fine, too. But if they do. That would be one. And then we go back to the question that was already asked. Can I have a copy of these stated guidelines and why is it taking so long like that? You know, I'd be asking lots and lots of questions, lots and lots of questions. But that I think I've said this before and others, any environment that you're in, either where they don't have a handbook, policy and procedure, or they don't have uh, guidelines, particularly with sexual harassment in this day and age. R. Kelly's been muted and you don't even have a policy that I can read on sexual harassment That is potentially a very dangerous environment. I would be extremely alert in that sort of situation. Any, Because this person was asking for uh, suggestions or input. Any of the folks that dialed in, uh, any thoughts, work in place, a work environment that does not have uh, policy and procedure uh, on bullying, sexual harassment, racial harassment, or if they do... They're not willing to give a copy to you. Uh, any any of the folks have uh, commentary on that one?
17: Guess may I um, add a comment on that.
1: Uh, B in uh, Toronto.
17: Yes. Hi. Uh, I've I've actually worked in several different workplaces that that did just that very same thing, um, and in some cases, uh, actually did have the policies and procedures and just. Chose not to follow them. Um, I mean, it, it really comes down to asking the question: Do you really want to be in that kind of environment? It's clearly toxic. If um, if they're not setting the rules and following their own policy, um, that's that's where my skeptic my skepticism comes in. Um, if uh, uh, in evaluating uh, the organization or, or agency that you work with, um, if they're if they're not following their own policy and if they're they're not um, protecting their employees, um, then uh, who who do follow those policies? Then then it's it's time to reconsider um, how much time you really want to spend in that environment. Um, that for that's that's one thing that I have to say. But I was also wondering if I would be able to share real quickly um the events of the week, if that's okay.
1: Uh the the events of the week. Let's hear the events of the week.
17: All right. Well, just wanted to do the follow up that um I have been using the response of mm-hmm from uh a retired firefighter and yourself the last time I called in um, with that tacky situation where uh, the teacher had referred to herself as a law. Um, This wouldn't have been last week, but the week before last around there. And it's been working very well. Um, it, it has helped that response alone has helped get, have helped me get out of a lot of awkward questions. Um, unfortunately, uh, I'm still contracted there, uh, until the end of the month and, um, uh, the tackiness persists. So the response of "Mm mm-hmm has really gotten me out of, um, out of having to feel as if I needed to respond, um, with words. So that's. That's really effective. Um, The second thing that I wanted to add is, um, in particular, for those who are working um, with an agency, uh, be it a temporary agency doing contract work, uh, be sure to ask um, the coordinator uh, of the particular department uh, whether or not there's additional funding for report writing after you've completed your shift. Um, in fact, I just happened to find this out by accident. <laughs> uh, as the, the, uh, the program director uh, for, the, for the area that I'm in, uh, she happened to, match, uh, to mention that there's additional funding for report writing, um, and uh, that's how I came across this information. But she, the way that she said it, it, it sounded as if she she caught herself as if she had said too much, and I was just listening to her talk and ramble on, and just taking notes in my mind as to as to what she was saying. And um, when she mentioned, oh, yeah, and there's also uh, the funding for the report writing, and then it's like it's, she caught herself because apparently I wasn't supposed to know about that. Um, so when I did ask, okay, well, then how can I uh, bill the company for this? She had no choice but to tell me how to build the company for it. So I got six additional hours paid uh, for report writing. Um So that's the other thing that I want to let um, your callers and and listeners know uh, to ask about that. Um, Also, uh, for the commute to work, I've been noticing more and more uh, with the city's transit that there's a lot of uh, small nippy dogs that keep coming on to the transit during rush hours. Um, and it's usually white people that are carrying these small, small nippy dogs. Uh, so, um, and, and they're, they're pretty rude about it, because they'll, they'll have the dog either come up to, up to your person and sniff around your bags or, you know, brush their nose against your clothes, or even they will occupy this, uh, even a seat, uh, sometimes even messing up the seat uh, on the transit system. So I got really tired of it. And I went to the transit bylaws and by using the transit bylaws, I was able to get five um, dog owners. Um, they were all late, uh kicked off the bus with their dog, um, uh, letting the bus driver know that, uh, you know, the fact that I'm, I'm not feeling comfortable with the dogs being on the bus. Um, and besides uh, the people that had the dogs were quite arrogant. Uh, so it was, it was, um, a, a pleasure of getting them off the bus. Um, so that's also another thing to consider, especially if you're in the Toronto area. Um, use the transit system bylaws, um, and if you find that there's a, a person with a nippy dog, um, you know you can ask to have them taken off of the the transit uh, vehicle, be it a uh, bus, um, real trans, subway, what have you. And then the last thing is, if you're accused of, of a wrongdoing, um, you know, by a client or by a, a, a customer, um, and the supervisor decides to uh, put it into your personnel file uh, to definitely contest it in writing, um, this hasn't happened to me, but I know of a few people that this has happened to, and it's affected um their performance evaluation as a result. Uh, You can even go one step further because sometimes you may not even know that this is in your personnel file, so you can certainly request HR um, to have a day where you can review your personnel file. If they ask you why you want to review it, if there's something wrong, um, you can just let them know. I just want to make sure that all information is accurate within that personnel file, full stop. That's it. You don't need to give them any further information. Um, According to their procedures and uh, their policy and procedures, they should be able to allow you an appointment to review your personnel file. So that way, if you see any inconsistencies, it gives you the opportunity to put in a written rebuttal to that inconsistency. So that, um, say, if you're going uh, for a job internally, uh, when they review the file, they can see that you are not um, in agreement with whatever uh, information's in there. Or if you find that the information is completely false, that you can um, then advocate on behalf of yourself to... Have that removed um, so that uh, the employers will have no choice but to remove the false information. So, so that so those are the the stuff that I, I wanted to share um, and part of what's happened to the week and another tip thrown in. Thank you for listening.
1: Spectacular. Appreciate that. Be excellent. Uh, recommendation about making sure you check your uh, personnel file. at work. Whites are really slick about stuffing. Uh, things and there, things that you would never know uh, that might end up having an impact on you, even beyond that job, uh, not just in, you know, you trying to get promotions and a bonus or, you know, whatever else you, you would like that is constructive uh, on that job. Definitely uh, take that time to uh, review your records. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ivy, if you had commentary you wanted to share, you should be with us as well.
8: Greetings, Gus, and greetings to all the callers on the line. I wanted to say to uh, Drape the Mania, um, your frustration with the non-white um, woman, I believe, uh, at your job—I think you said—I think you might have said that um, she's black. Your frustration is 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 understandable, um, but I'm, I'm I'm grateful for uh, Mr. Fuller and and for the um, the cows callers and for Gus, um, just helping me to to keep my eyes focused on the races. And um, I noticed that, you know, Kanye recently said something else that upset black people. And I saw, you know, just a lot of comments where people were very frustrated with him. And um, a friend of mine, we were talking about um, some previous comments and he was just very frustrated with him. And um, just as a result of listening to this program, um, most of the time I'm not. Um, frustrated with uh, with victims, and with Kanye, I'm not frustrated at all um, with him. Um, I actually feel very sorry for him that he has been victimized so much where he feels like to accomplish a goal, he has to pander to races. And as far as the, the people in your job um, that are using this victim, um, in my view, it's logical that she would um, mistreat you to survive, and I believe that you should focus on the people, on the savages who are who have put her in a position where she has to choose between survival and mistreating another victim, that this person who is being used is also being victimized just to be put in a position and to be subject to unnecessary conflict and unnecessary attacks where she's subject to you attacking her because she is mistreating you. Um, And so I believe that over time, if you practice keeping your, your eyes focused on and your attention focused on the people that are behind what's right in front of you, that that will help. And over time you will become more able to do that and you will become more patient and more angry with the savages that are doing all this because the savages, they know that it's more convenient for you to get upset with right with what is right in front of you because you can't see the savages um, for the most part. You just see the person that was right in front of you and they know that and they're using that to their advantage and they're very crafty in that sense. And that's why they do it. And they've been doing this since slavery. They've been doing this for a very, very long time. So just practicing Keeping your eyes, just looking past what's right in front of you and keeping your eyes on who uh, is behind it will help you, I believe, over time. And uh, I wish you the best. And uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gus. I'll mute my mic.
1: Appreciate that, Ivy. Following logic. Uh, did we have any other folks who had commentary they wanted to get in before we get ready to conclude things? Any other folks that we missed with commentary? Hi, Gus. Yes, ma'am. Our software developer in Wisconsin.
0: I'm sorry. I just um, wanted to say thank you to everybody who gave me the tips um, about the the recommendations. I actually have a couple of recommendations or have a couple of um, performance reviews here that I was using to build my resume with. So um, that was very timely. Uh, Thanks to everybody who gave me a some information
1: that's all yes ma'am uh any other folks had commentary they wanted to get in before we conclude everybody satisfied
8: i had a quick question for the software developer if i could gus yes ma'am i just wanted to ask her um Um, I've I've heard that in your field, in the technology field, that, you know, it's, for lack of words, easier to to get a job. And, you know, I don't know if that exists in just this person who said this in her particular area of your field or just overall. And so my question was, are you concerned about getting another job soon, or do you believe that you will be able to get another one soon? And I, I really wish you the best.
0: Um. Thank you, Ivy. Ivy mean, H D. I'm sorry. Well, it's Ivy now. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Um. No, I um. I'm not really that concerned. I've I've had this situation happen before, where all of a sudden the white folks just decide that they don't want you at the job anymore. And I've been pretty. I've been able to get a job pretty quickly. Usually, when within about a month. Um. The great thing about it is that uh the demand for people in these positions is generally greater than the supply. So you can usually find something. And I've I've already had after I updated my LinkedIn, I've already had about six or seven recruiters um, within the past two days. So I'm I'm not too worried about it. But thank you for your concern.
8: You're welcome and I'm so glad to hear that. That's awesome. I'll mute my
1: line. folks satisfied? Anything else they need to get in briefly? We'll be here tomorrow for Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. Top five. Actually, I think my favorite book all time uh, as we are rereading. It had been a few years since i would read, but wowie. Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. Uh, we're picking up <clears throat> tomorrow. We're still very early in the text. Uh, I think we're kind of in the midpoint of uh chapter 9 when he's uh the narrator is in New York and is about to find out uh the letters the content of the letters that he has taken with him from his college down south uh where he thinks he's been sent north to work earn money and then he can come back to school perhaps in the fall we will pick up uh there tomorrow 8 p.m. eastern 5 p.m. pacific uh the compensatory call in this coming saturday 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, we'll catch up on news observations from the last seven days. Uh, Perhaps we even have a non-white Starbucks employee who will be able to chime in and confirm what was in the training video that played this here week. Uh, With that, thanks to everyone who participated in the broadcast. I hope it was a worthy uh, investment of your Thursday evening. Uh, Again, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Uh, we are already thought of as crackheads worldwide in this system. Uh, I think it would be in our best interest to preserve our brain computers so that we can think clearly and make phenomenal decisions that will be in our best interest. Uh, I know Dr. Welsing, Dr. Cambon, many of the folks that we highly esteem, uh, Minister Malcolm X, they would strongly recommend that we practice sobriety, stringently practice sobriety uh, so that we can solve this problem immediately. The problem being whites, racist man, racist woman, racist child. In addition to being stringently sober, we should also practice being buckled up every time we are in a vehicle uh, we should do everything that we possibly can to minimize contact with race soldiers. Badge or no, buckling up is an easy one. They are looking for reasons to pull over. Negros, uh that strikes one off the list at least. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed.
13: I'm a victim, brother. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed
1: my conditioning.
13: Mm -hmm.
2: Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
6: Laundry? Ooh, a book club.
18: Computer solitaire. Huh?